I knew these people. These two people. They were in love with each other. The girl was very young, about 17 or 18, I guess. And the guy was quite a bit older. You know, just because we fucked doesn't mean there are strings now. It's okay. Okay. Okay, I mean, I just wanted to tell you about my dream is all. Nothing more complicated than that. Don't panic. But I'm just not used to all this all this dating bullshit, you know? Now we're a couple, now I'm obliged to give a shit. You can report into me while I'm paralyzed. You want to play my game? Did you? Daniels is dead. Gee, that's tough. That guy is dead. In the instructions that it's been treated with an ancient Chinese herb guaranteed to prolong the wretch. Oh my god. What's wrong? You're not gonna believe this. Oh my god. I feel like I'm in the porno version of the red shoes. Ortiz is recording. Kirky's driving. Let's do yeah. an episode! <laughs> All this high energy! Welcome to Geek Fights, the Ponzi scheme of podcasting. I'm Damon Shaw. With me as always, it's Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, oh wait, I gotta turn down the shooting in the background. What are we fighting about, Mike? Well, uh, this is uh, Jared's pick. Uh, Tonight's topic is best movie you've never seen and this is basically movies that uh that you think need a a better or a wider audience uh jared can explain it uh, a little bit more um because he's one of the people who's joining us tonight and uh who else is joining us david and jared say hello jared (laughs) hello (laughs) no jared tell us tell us exactly what you mean we're not going to mean anybody else well, when I was asked to pick an episode, it was like, oh, man, there's only so many left. And, oh, man, what do you do? And, oh, man, there's nothing left to cram in. And and I had shot off an idea to you like a long time ago that where I thought uh, it would be cool to try and um, um, do these arguments without relying on Wikipedia. Because a lot of people would like go, oh, well, I don't know that one, so I just vote for what I know. And so the the birth of this idea is that basically... Um, well, yeah, so what? I mean, just, just listen to the arguments, just go by the arguments, you know, was sort of the idea. I don't know what it will finally end up being, but the idea that, you know, having a general discussion and trying to just figure out what Geek Fights would recommend as a movie for somebody to watch seems like a fine ending. That that works. And and, and joining us, I forget. Oh, yeah, Mr. Dan James. What's up? And Kirky Wade. Hello. Uh, Christy's there too. She's giving the unknowns. Hey, Christy. Shh. <laughs> uh, so how does the pre-recorded message that you may or may not play work, Mike? Uh, well, uh, first I will say so. Actually, first I will say we have thirty-two uh, movies. Um, hopefully, no one will have seen all of them. Uh, hopefully, many of you won't have seen a lot of them. So you will focus on just what people are saying. Um, and, uh, we put them in these tournament style brackets, which you can download from our website at geekfights.net. Uh, they're brackets. You know how that works. Uh, as to how we pick things, that is something we call geek logic, which is explained by this pre-recorded message. 
And that's Keith Ledger. <laughs> the magic of editing. Uh, <laughs> let's jump we right into the We just do that fights. with the whole show. We could. <laughs> like, we'll oh, yeah. this in later. And I'm going to say right off the top, we are wrong. Because uh, this one is very, very subjective. And I know there are thousands of movies that didn't make the list. Uh, but that was because you weren't on the episode because you're a fucking loser. Anyway, that was horrible. Uh, Jared, let's start with you. This fight is yours. It is Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar versus Miller's Crossing. Oh, wow. Um, coming right off of um, the uh, Best of Britain Empire Strikes Back show, I have to say I'm very excited that Miller's Crossing was my selection for this. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that I have not seen Tu Wong Fu. Um, so it's a wonderful candidate for this idea. Um, I'd like to hear more about it. I mean, I, I've got all the, everything I've heard from, gosh, long, long time ago. And I'll tell you, people were obsessed with that movie. But my obsession begins with Miller's Crossing. Absolutely. This movie is by Joel and Ethan Cohen. It is a gangster film set in the 1920s. And one thing I'll say about it that's awesome is that the main character, um, played by Gabriel Byrne, is punched every 15 minutes. You can almost set your watch by it. A character will punch Gabriel Byrne every quarter of an hour when you watch Miller's Crossing. It's a violent film. Um, it's got wonderful dialogue that um, is so dense, sometimes you don't even know what you just heard. But that just means you can rewatch Miller's Crossing and get a second movie. It's got an amazing rewatch value. And I really am surprised when people say, I've never seen that. And I hope they will. Thank you very much. We'll find out all about Tu Wong Fu when we get to Kirky. But Mike, this one, go ahead. Um, well, uh, I, I will vote for uh, Tu Wong Fu here. Uh, I have seen both of these movies. Um, both of them are, are great movies and both deserve to be seen uh, by, by many people. Um, but I think just going by kind of my definition or my thought of how this, this goes, which is which do I think um, didn't find the audience that, that really was kind of ideal for it. Um, or, or what I think could and should get a, a wider audience now, um, with Tu Wong Fu, I, I, I thought it was a very good movie. It's probably objectively not a better movie than Miller's Crossing, but I think Miller's Crossing is well known. I mean, it's, it's well known enough. A lot of people will go back to it because, uh, it's part of, of the catalog of two directors that are now huge. Um, not just critically, but even, you know, commercially. I mean, so, so certainly there's never going to be a time, I think, when people aren't going back to that movie the way that we go back to Hitchcock now. But something like Tu Wong Fu is, is something that could get lost. And I think it would actually play better today uh, in a somewhat more gay-friendly time. Uh, and, you know, the premise of the movie is three drag queens uh, basically come into this conservative town. I can't remember the exact specifics. You'll get to that. But I mean, it's really kind of, you know, forward thinking and it was certainly before, uh, homosexuality was treated the way that it, it's treated now. And it was taken seriously, even though it was really ridiculous to have, uh, what was it? Patrick Swayze and, um, shit. Who was the other guy? Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Oh my God. Wesley Snipes was the worst fucking drag queen ever, but somehow he owned it. Uh, so it really is a very entertaining movie and a very sweet movie, but it's also a strange movie because it dances around kind of the, the homosexual subject a lot. 
um, and and really doesn't get into you know a, a much about the homophobia. I mean, it really just plays it all kind of light, which I think actually play, would play today pretty well. So uh, I think I'll vote for Tu Wong Fu. Dan, I have not seen either of these movies, so for me, this is a a perfect example of what we're aiming for today. Uh, I know the Coen brothers. I like all of their films that I've seen. Uh, and just judging from the brief description we got from Jared, I think I would really like this. But Mike brings up a good point that I feel like Tu Wong Fu would be something that hasn't been seen by a lot more people. And so I'm going to I'm going to vote for that. God damn, Mr. Ortiz. You know, the deck was stacked against you, Jared. You've got Mike Ortiz and his dulcet tones, which lulls you into voting for him every time. The goddamn shark's on this episode. Um, uh, Kirky. I didn't put Tu Wong Fu on here. I, I know you didn't. Movie. I know, but the shark is on this episode. Go ahead, Kirky. Well, I, uh, I wanted to put forth this movie because this is a movie that I consistently keep telling my friends to watch, and it's always... That's a really stupid name. I don't want to watch a movie about drag queens. I don't want to watch a movie with Patrick Swayze. But it's so funny. You know, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo, they are so lost in their roles that I can't even see Blade, you know, when I'm watching this. And it's so funny to see him be a sassy black woman. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's completely different than anything I've ever seen. Well, really, any of these characters in. Uh, John Leguizamo makes a far more beautiful woman than I am. You know, so I've got lots of envy there. It's just such a funny, quirky movie, and nobody has seen it. But it's got this all-star cast, and nobody has seen it. So I I just think that it's so funny that something that is so, I mean, I feel like this would be on the public's consciousness, and yet somehow it has completely slipped everyone's radar. A vote for Tu Wong Fu. (sighs) Tu Wong Fu is moving through. I would vote for Miller's Crossing here uh, as a spite vote because I hate Patrick Swayze because he was a child molester in that one movie. I don't know. I just don't like Patrick Swayze and Swayze love. Uh, I'm voting for uh, Miller's Crossing. Uh, Tu Wong Fu is moving on through. We're on to our next fight. Mike, this one is yours. It is... Oh, I want to change it so bad, but I'm not going to. It is Free Enterprise versus Chaos Theory. Uh, Well, I have not seen Chaos Theory. Um, I'm going to vote for it, though, because I'm kind of a little over Free Enterprise. I I think it's found its audience and uh, I've watched it many, many times, and it it holds up less than it used to. Maybe just because there was so little geek stuff uh, out there, um, and you know, we sang its praises on best geek movie. I mean, it already, one geek movie. I think enough of us have seen it, but I'm curious as to what this chaos theory may be. Dan, Chaos Theory is a movie that stars Ryan Reynolds as a a professional speaker who lectures on time management. And he always has these note cards that he takes notes on to uh, like, this is the stuff I need to do today. And he'll rearrange the note cards to 
decide what he does first. And it's just a very quirky character until one day when his wife sets the clock back 10 minutes and that just sets his life out of control because not just because of the clock being set back 10 minutes, but because of that, he, he misses like the ferry to get to the land mainland. So he misses the, or he ends up being late for his lecture on time management. And it, it just spirals out of control and into a hilarious comedy starring Ryan Reynolds and Sarah Chalk from Scrubs and Emily Mortimer now on Newsroom. It's it's a fantastic movie, a whole whole lot of fun, and ends up with uh, Ryan Reynolds carrying around a shotgun through a swamp. So definitely worth a watch. A vote for Chaos Theory, Kirky. Shoot. Uh, from those two little blurbs about each movie, Chaos Theory sounds far more interesting. So, I guess Chaos Theory? Uh, vote for Chaos Theory. Uh, I put Free Enterprise on the list. Mike is right. I, I was om- I'm almost going to change Free Enterprise to the Showgirl Special Edition with commentary uh, because that is amazing. I still might do that. Fuck it. I'm going to change it right now to that because it's amazing. Uh, the commentary that I don't remember the name of the guy that does it uh, he used to do commentaries. Uh, he used to do live theatrical shows talking about how campy the movie was. And he got a letter from uh, Universal and he was like, oh shit, it's a cease and desist. I can't do this anymore. And they were like, no, no, we want you to do the commentary. They were embracing the fact that uh, what's his name made a ridiculous movie and uh, come help us make fun of it. So uh, that's what I'm changing my vote, changing the, the thing to and changing my vote to. So the Showgirl Special Edition gets a vote from me. Uh, Jared? <laughs> wow. Man, I didn't know we could do... No, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not going to start doing that as well. But I uh, have not seen the Showgirls commentary. Um, and uh, I have not seen Chaos Theory. But I'll tell you that that was a wonderful pitch on Chaos Theory that Sounds like it'd be a really, really good, fun comedy. It really does. Um, I can't really vote for the Showgirls commentary, though, because I actually do like and respect Showgirls. So uh, seeing it made fun of is not really high on my list of things to do. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for Chaos Theory. The women only talk about potato chips, their nails, and boys. That's the context of every conversation. That movie could only be made by Paul Verhoeven, who had the balls and the clout and the ability to completely build this total sexploitation flick and make it mainstream. Just bizarre. He was a weirdo for doing it. And it's not sexy. (laughs) It doesn't have to be sexy. That's what's so weird about it. What it has to yeah, I know. And that's why it's so cool. And so I, I have to say that even though like it's just terrible scene after terrible scene, um, I, I respect showgirls. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for Chaos Theory. Uh, uh, Chaos Theory is moving on through. We're on to our next fight. Damn, this one is yours. It's John Dies at the End versus Eyes Wide Shut. I've seen Eyes Wide Shut. I have not seen John Dies at the End. Uh I was okay with Iowa's Wide Shut. Interesting movie. You know, Stanley Kubrick, who's kind of a cinemas- c- cinematic god, uh, versus John Dies at the End by people that I have no idea who they are because I've never seen it and not really ever looked it up. But despite 
you know, the name giving away what's going on. John Dies at the End, I hear, is really, really fantastic. And Eyes Wide Shut, I remember watching and being okay with it, but also struggling to stay awake. So John Dies at the End? Why not? Kirky. John Dies at the End is amazing. It was written by David Wong, was the editor-in-chief of Cracked.com for a while. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a book. And uh, so I bought the book years ago and just fell in love with it. It's got this weird, quirky humor to it. Very, it's it's very, very weird. And the movie carries over so well. It manages to keep all of the strange humor. You know, in the, uh, the very first scene, these guys come to exercise demons from this house. And this meat monster comes from the freezer in the basement and turns the basement door handle into a giant dick. Doesn't make the door unusable or anything, but the guy just looks at the door and says, ah, this door cannot be open. And it, it, it's just so weird and funny. And, you know, if even if you don't watch the movie, I highly recommend the book because, I don't know, every page makes me laugh. It's on Netflix. Eyes Wide Shut is good, but it's just, you know, you're right in that it's a struggle to stay awake because it's, I don't know, a drama and it's boring and I don't care who has sex with who, it's not interesting to me. Um, and John Dies at the End is far more obscure because it made absolutely zero money despite being, here despite starring Paul Giamatti, who is highly respected. So that is my vote. I personally have seen both of these movies. Uh, I just saw recently saw John Dies at the End. Well, most of John Dies at the End. I fell asleep watching it like three times, trying to watch it. And then I just gave up. Not that it wasn't clever and quirky. It was. Uh, I'm just not that big a fan of it. Also not that big a fan of Eyes Wide Shut, but I got to kind of respect the goddamn pedigree of Eyes Wide Shut. Isn't that Kubrick's last film before he died? So. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to vote for Eyes Wide Shut because it is so bizarre. It's such a weird movie. So I'm going to go with Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, Jared? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy that uh, so many people here have not seen Eyes Wide Shut. Um, uh, th- this, is, this is the pit. This is the thing. Uh, I, I was with you, um, Dan, um, with my first screening of Eyes Wide Shut. And absolutely with you to Kirky Wade. Um, the first time I ever saw it. Um, and then uh, something happened. Time happened. And I, I found myself in a position where I was able to rewatch it begrudgingly, not interested, um, just trying to pass the time, really. And the film somehow worked on the time that it had taken me from when I'd first seen the movie to when I was seeing it then. And it was more personal because I just experienced more, I guess, relationships and had questions about how things were going. And, um, this film supposed a lot of, you know, answers, a lot of thought toward me personally. And I grew to like the movie. And then like, I, uh, decided that it was time to walk away from eyes wide shut and, and uh, let some more time go by. And, and I do. I, I try to watch that movie every few years just to see 
what else I'm going to get out of it. Because I, I feel like that, that is that kind of masterpiece. It's a movie that's going to transform with you as you grow old with it. So I would encourage uh, both of you to rewatch the movie and give it another chance. Um, because this is a movie that, like Miller's Crossing, just keeps on giving in a deeply personal way. At least for me. So I absolutely will vote for Eyes Wide Shut over a quirky comedy. It is all tied up. Comes down to you, Mr. Ortiz. Which one takes the win? Uh, this one is, is, is pretty easy, actually. I, I have seen both of these movies. Um, and for me, I mean, it really comes down to the question of uh, Stanley Kubrick versus Don Coscarelli. And, you know, for me, that that's pretty obvious. And, and not just in the joking way, but just I, I read the story, the original uh, book that this was based on, um, and I enjoyed it a great deal. And when I heard they were making it a movie, even like reading it, I was like, oh, this is, this, this is going to make a great movie. Um, but then when it was announced that it was Don Coscarelli, all of a sudden I was like, well, I don't know if he's tonally, you know, what I see. Cause the, for me, the book, it wasn't just quirky and weird. Uh, it was edgy. It had a very, the, the tone of the book was very written, written in a very kind of gritty, more modernist tone. And I've seen a lot of directors and a lot of, of other people who do, uh, who've done some independent movies that, that visually and kind of tonally, I think much more, were much closer. And I think that's exactly what I got. I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, Coscarelli takes something that I thought was a little bit edgier and, and, and gives it the same kind of, I mean, schlock is, is, is too strong a word, but that's kind of the direction of a horror movie that, that I'm thinking of. Um, it's not, it's not played with the right tone visually or, or kind of conceptually, um, you know, I just, I think Coscarelli wasn't the right fit. So for me, it doesn't work, especially as when someone who very rarely actually read the book. I just thought, you know, maybe it is one of those, this isn't the book that I pictured in my mind, but I, I really, I really think that that's the case. And I, and I know that's the case for, for other people who've, who've, uh, who've seen both. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think this should have been a new Bubba Hotep, which is kind of what it was. So I'm going to vote for Eyes Wide Shut. I will explain why I actually like that movie maybe in the next round. Eyes Wide Shut is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Kirky, this one is yours. It is Timer versus... Uh, let's see. I put Rocky Horror Picture Show on here. I'm changing this one, too. I'm changing this one, too, because fuck it. I, I can do it. It's my goddamn show. I'm changing it to something else nobody's ever seen. I'm changing it to In Time, the, the Justin Timberlake movie. I'm not even kidding, because it's on right now. And I'm like, oh, wait, nobody watched this movie, and it's a great movie. Um, but Kirky, it is timer versus in time. Curveballs all over the place. Okay. So primer versus a Justin Timberlake movie? Uh it's timer versus in time. In time. Okay. Um Which was a Justin I have Timberlake not, movie. I have not seen in time nor heard of it. Although I really do like Justin Timberlake, and I actually think he's a good actor, which is weird to say because Motherfucker was in the Mickey Mouse Club. So, but Primer is so... I, I, I actually need to sit down and watch Primer again because I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's, it's not Primer. It is T-I-M-E-R. Yeah. Timer. Who put this on the list? Timer? I don't know timer. what the fuck timer is. Oh, Dan put it on the list. Oh, is it timer on the list? 
probably, uh, well, fuck it, Justin Timberlake, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Dan, do you want to explain what timer is? Uh, sure, why not? Timer is a nice little romantic comedy that centers around an idea. And the idea is uh, true love versus uh, in, in true love. Is it, is it fate or is it something that you earn and, and build up to? The, in, the, in modern day times, there's this corporation that has a matchmaking device. There's this little device that goes on your wrist. And if your quote unquote true love also has the timer, then the timers start and count down until the day that you meet. And it just explores this idea very perfectly. It's got, you know, the older lady, not older, middle-aged lady who's, you know, got her timer and it's been blank for like 20 years, meaning that her partner hasn't got their timer. And her sister has the timer that's counting down to like 10 years from now. So it's got the two most ridiculous extreme circumstances there. And then her little brother gets the timer and his starts up immediately and they meet in like five or six days. So it's just this brilliant concept that goes and explores the concept of true love and whether or not it's love at first sight or if there's one true soulmate out there for you. And it's just a great watch. It's on Netflix. Everyone should watch it. It's beautiful. See, see, see. Does that change your mind at all, Kirky? Um, true love and the nature of relationships. Does In Time have explosions? Yes. I'm still going to stay with In Time. All right. Uh, yeah, I did change it to In Time because it's on and because a lot of people said it's a Justin Timberlake movie. Fuck it. I'm not going to see that movie. Uh, but it's actually a really, really good, weird future science fiction movie. I, I, I walked out of the theater going, this is a science fiction movie. This is a science fiction movie that science fiction fans that will not see. Uh, the, the society is basically, is, you know how science fiction does, talking about current events, but throwing it slightly into the future so you can go, that's the future. Don't worry about us talking about the haves and the have-nots in the way that we're talking about it because it's the future. You don't have to worry about that. And that's basically what In Time is. It's talking about the haves and the have-nots. I really do enjoy the movie greatly. Uh, I have seen Timer as well. And uh, Dan got it slightly wrong. The older sister, her timer was like for when she would be 60 or 70 years old. Like that's, that's when it was going. It, was, it, it had been going since she was young, uh, 14 years old because you get it when you're 14. And uh, it was going to, she was going to meet her true love at 60 or 70. And it was, it was, it was very sad. I, I, but I do like Timer and I do like In Time. I'm going to go with Timer for now. Jared. Um, Damon, can, can you uh, talk a little more about In Time and, and what the significance of In Time means for the, the I mean, what, it, what is In Time for, versus the con- content there? Time, in Time, uh, everything, uh, the, the currency of the world is time. Uh, when you turn 25, you get, and when you're born, you have a timer implanted in your arm. You have the first 25 years, guaranteed, no problem. And they give you an extra year. 
and there's a timer in your arm. They give you an extra year, so you get to 26. But everything that you, uh, every commodity that you have, you have to pay for with time. You do also don't age. You turn 25, and that's how you look, and that's how you stay until the end of time. As long as you have time, you will not die. And of course, the people who have time, just like the people who have money, they keep the money, they keep the time, and they, they hoard it. They hoard it so other people can't have it. And the poor people are scraping by like it's two hours to ride the bus today. Tomorrow will be two, three hours. And, and you've got to budget it because when you run out of time, you die. And uh, it, it, I enjoyed it greatly. That's basically what it's about. Thank, thank you for all that, David. Uh, I have seen both of these movies, um, but I'd forgotten about that whole time currency concept. What sticks out to me from In Time um, is lines like uh, all of those, those crazy puns they were able to pull out. Like uh, somebody cleaned his clock, you know, like, <laughs> and it's like literally all of his minutes were gone. Um, a murder, I guess. Um, I really did like that movie for that reason, for, for the puns. Uh, the concept didn't stick around very much. So um, seeing Timer again is also something I can't really recommend um, just because in the end, it just kind of plateaued and kind of a mer for me. It's like, I, I guess. But I did like Emma Caulfield. I thought she was very, very funny. Um, but I'm going to recommend In Time. Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with, uh, with In Time. That, that was a movie that a lot of people didn't see because of Justin Timberlake um, and certainly was not, mar- I, not marketed widely, certainly not marketed well. Um, the, uh, it, it is actually, even though it's very heavy-handed, it is very kind of classic, high-concept sci-fi where it's a very clear future metaphor. Um, and, uh, and, but the way that they play it out is pretty clever. And it's it's a very stylish. It's a well shot movie. It's a very kind of minimal movie. I mean, it's actually stylistically probably closer to what I uh, wanted to see out of um, something like John Dies at the End. Something a little bit more kind of uh, of modern in its tone and its take. Uh, it's a well shot movie. Uh, both of these curiously center around having some sort of timer embedded in your arm. But I think the idea that of time as a currency as opposed to time to uh to true love uh is just kind of a more interesting concept and yeah it was definitely spot on uh people with lots of of uh people with very little money rising up against the people with lots of money and basically taking it so it's this kind of you know futurist revolutionary thing but uh it was a really strange interesting and kind of unique dystopian future and i think it's worth worth a watch for people who like that kind of science fiction Yeah, I do like In Time. I'm kind of glad you changed it from Rocky Horror. Uh, in Time is is there? These are both like really cool, high concept uh, scientific films. I do like In Time. I wish I liked it more. I, it's one of those movies that I really wanted to see ever since I saw the first preview for it. I'm like, this is really cool. I like all of the actors that are in it questionable on Justin Timberlake, but everyone else I'm really happy with. Uh, and it, it under delivered. I wasn't, I'm not sure what I was expecting out of it, but the story just didn't work for me. I did like the puns. That's, that's definitely a good, good part for it. I, as I do love me some puns. Uh, 
But I think Timer definitely, um, for me at least, nailed it more. So like they they hit what they wanted to a lot better than In Time did. So I'm still going with Timer. In Time is moving on, and so am I. Uh, next fight is Lust slash Caution versus Butterfly Effect. Uh, Kirky, what is Lust slash Caution? What's in that too, Kirky? Okay, sorry, mute button. Um, Lust Caution is this Chinese film that I watched when I was over there. Um, it is pretty modern. It is set during World War II, during the Japanese occupation. Uh, basically, there's this group of school friends at a university, and they all decide that they are going to fight against their Japanese oppressors in the name of communism, and they are going to kill one of the Chinese officials who has been working with the Japanese and oppressing them. And they decide to vote the prettiest member of their group to flirt with this official and lure him back to this abandoned house so they can kill him. And then they decide that she's not doing her job well enough and the way for her to learn how to be sexier and more sensual is for the men in the group to have sex with her. And then the Chinese official moves away and being the culture that it was at the time, this girl has now lost her virginity and sees herself, you know, for nothing and sees herself as kind of worthless because of it. Years later, you know, the group has split up and um, the girl's living in Shanghai and she sees this Chinese official that she was seducing and they recognize each other. He doesn't realize that she was, you know, uh, playing this character. And so um, she's contacted by her old friends and they say, hey, we're more organized now. It looks like you are our in. Let's actually kill this guy. And so she goes to become this, like, spy double agent, and she starts to actually fall in love with him. And it's interesting because uh, he's a bad guy for working with the Japanese and doing these horrible things to her people, and yet he makes her feel like she's worth something, and she honestly loves him. The thing I like about this movie the most... Well, I don't like it. It's actually totally bullshit. The actress who is in the movie um, was blacklisted from Chinese movies for a long time because the sex scenes are very graphic. And because she showed so much nudity, she was, I don't know, just kind of um, not really able to be in any other movies because of it. The male actor was just fine. Um, So there was that weird little cultural tidbit to it that I thought was interesting. Great movie. Very heart-wrenching. Thank you. So the first round is going to be very long. <laughs> uh, I, and I think everybody knows what Butterfly Effect is. I don't really have to go over Butterfly Effect. And if you don't know Butterfly Effect, Mike will be telling us that shortly. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Butterfly Effect, though. I like Butterfly Effect. So Butterfly Effect. Jared? Um, you know what? I'm going to take a look at less caution um, based on the... Uh, Plot synopsis brought to us by uh, Kirky Wade. Monsignor Ortiz. Uh, I'm going to vote for The Butterfly Effect. Uh, I think it is another movie. That Sorry about will... that. Sorry? 
Um, another movie that a lot of people stayed away from because of, of the lead actor. And um, well, certainly, I'm not going to say I'm a fan of Ashton Kushner, but I think he's capable of doing a decent job in some movies. And I think this one he did. Um, mostly, I just really liked the idea. Uh, it's someone who can basically project his mind back in time to points in his past uh, and, and change his past. And the butterfly effect is that you know, whole idea, you go back in the past, you step on a butterfly, you come back to the present, the whole world has changed. That even small changes that you make in your past can have, have massive consequences. And he keeps going back and trying to fix things, and it makes things worse. And then you try again, and it makes things worse. And he keeps doing that. And especially if, you, if you're going to check this out, uh, hopefully you can get a hold of the director's cut. The theatrical cut uh, has, a, has a happier studio ending that is kind of a cop-out. Um, and doesn't pay off some things that are set up earlier in the movie. But if you see the director's cut, uh, it's much more what they had originally intended. Uh, and it's much darker, and it's actually kind of a little unpleasant, which is probably another reason a lot of people will stay away from it. But I think it's worth a look just because it's a very clever and interesting idea uh, that uh, I you don't see kind of covered. I, I, I've made it clear I have a problem with time travel movies because there are always some sort of weird paradox problems. And there's some with this, but uh, it, it's a clever example of a time travel movie. And I think a lot of people stayed away because uh, of, of a casting choice. Uh, Dan. Uh, I have seen butterfly effect for a while. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I still think it's got a lot of merit to it. It is one of the most interesting time travel concepts out there. But I do really like gratuitous sex. So, lust caution. Uh, It is tied up and it comes down to you, Kirky, so you get to decide it. Um, I'm going to have to vote for lust caution. It's, I mean, Butterfly Effect is actually really a good movie, and... It's funny that people would avoid it for Ashton Kutcher because I think he does a really, really good job in it. Thus, Caution is just better. It's more obscure because I don't think it made it to American market. I don't know. Um, it's uh, so good. You need to watch it. And Lust Caution is moving on. Jarrett, this next fight is yours. It is Old Boy versus Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. I don't know why Hellboy 2 is on here, but Michael, tell us in a second. Right on. Uh, I have not seen Old Boy, which is a terrible thing, I think, to say. Because I know this has been a movie that people have been trying to get me to see for a long time. So, I'm interested in the arguments for Old Boy against Hellboy 2. The Golden Army. AKA, he's not voting until he hears why old boy's on the list. Uh, Mr. Ortiz. Um, well, I put Hellboy on the list uh, because I think it uh, it was a victim of, of yet another thing outside of its controls. It opened right after uh, The Dark Knight, which kind of barreled over the rest of the competition that summer. And, and very few things, uh, at least when that first month or so uh held up and uh it it quickly got eclipsed by what certainly was a better movie um but uh i think a lot of people didn't see it it left the theaters quickly uh and it didn't really get a fair look i think a lot of comic fans didn't give it a fair shake basically because it was much closer to a guillermo del toro vision uh than a mike mignola vision you know it starts to travel into more kind of fairy realm and things like that, as opposed to either the Cthulhu or the kind of classic folklore 
that uh, that Hellboy usually did in the comics. But uh, I, I think you know it's Guillermo del, Tor- del Toro's uh, movie as well, and, and I think when he does that, uh, he does that very very well. So uh, I think it had two things going against it tonally. Some of the fans may have turned on it the way uh, the way they they will turn on something that that doesn't show the property uh, in the way that they prefer, as well as kind of opening right after the Dark Knight. I think a lot of people may have missed it. Whereas I actually enjoyed it a great deal more than the first Hellboy movie. So uh, if you haven't checked it out for whatever reason, I think you should. All right. Vote for Hellboy Dan. Uh, Both are good movies. Both are worth a watch. Uh, Which one do I think is better? I think Old Boy is definitely a more interesting, intriguing, weird movie. Whereas Hellboy 2 is just a solid action movie that stars Hellboy. I mean, it's hard to argue with Ron Perlman starring in a Guillermo del Toro movie. Uh, Just, I don't know. Um, I'll say Old Boy for now. Old Boy for now. Kirky. This This is such a hard decision for me because I... I really love both movies. Hell, uh, Hellboy was exactly as Hellboy should be. It it was just so cool and it was beautiful and the world was so complete. Um, and Old Boy, God, Old Boy is just good. It's it's so perfectly strange and wonderful and good. And I, I can't even really tell you why, because the spoilers are just so much better if you experience them. But um, I think I think I'm going to vote for Hellboy on the sole fact that um, Spike Lee is remaking Old Boy, Hellboy and Old Boy. That's really weird. Spike Lee is remaking Old Boy, and it terrifies me because the the the, the twist that made it so fantastically, bizarrely strange and unique would not work in American cinema. It, it's just, it, it wouldn't. It's so very Asian, so very Korean that they'd have to change it. And if they change it, they completely change the movie. And it, you know, it scares me. So, Hellboy. A vote for Hellboy. Yeah, I'm the one that put Old Boy on the list, and Kirky is right. It's very, 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 very hard to talk about Old Boy without spoiling Old Boy. Uh, but basically, just a, yeah, tell me what's about, please. A, a, a businessman ha- has been kidnapped. Uh, uh, I think it was the night of his daughter's birthday or something. It, it, it was somebody's birthday, and he's held in a prison or a hotel room for years, and then he's just released. Uh, oh, it's 15 years. 15 years. And uh, he just gets released, and uh, then he gets a couple phone calls telling him that uh, he has to figure out why he was, you know, put in jail in prison uh, within the next five days or so, or he'll kill him, or they'll kill him. So that's basically the start of it. He finds some, he meets a girl, he kind of falls in love with him. His his whole life is gone. So he thinks, I, I really can't say more. And uh, yeah. I love me some old boy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for old boy, Jared. I'm gonna vote for old boy too. All right, the remake, the remake, no, old boy. 
the original. I think Spike Lee will do fine with it. Uh, I think it took 10 years to make a remake because it, they, they really did try really hard to figure out how to make it for My America. understanding is they're not supposed to really change it. That's good. Because of that, because of that very reason, then, uh, you know, it's, it's not really a remake. <laughs> yeah. It's just buying the name, which they could do. Until it hits theaters, we won't know. They may still freak out at the end, make them change it. The end is what what it's all about. Um, old boys, moving on. We're on to our next fight, Mister Ortiz. This one is yours. It is Repo the Genetic Opera versus L.A. Story? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is a strange one. Um, I wanted to like Repo the Genetic Opera a lot more than I did. Um, you know, I really can't put my finger on why it just didn't never really quite clicked with me. Um, it, it certainly gets, uh, you know, more attention. I mean, it shows up on midnight shows and things like that. Um, LA story, I think is, is kind of in danger of being one of Steve Martin's forgotten movies. It certainly did not hit the, as big as things like all of me or Roxanne. Um, and you don't hear talked about very much in, uh, in terms of people talking about, uh, Steve Martin's work or, or comedy of, of the nineties. Uh, and I think it is a nice, a, a really small, uh, intimate lost gem. It's, it's kind of Steve Martin's tribute to Los Angeles. Uh, very, very, uh, similar to Woody Allen's tribute to Manhattan and Manhattan. Uh, both these kind of weird fantasy versions of the cities, but the fantasy version of Los Angeles is really very fantasy because it has billboards to talk to people or electronic traffic boards to talk to people. So I just really think it's an underrated movie, and uh, I know a lot of people who are even fans of Steve Martin seem to have uh, let this one slip by. Dan. I do like Steve Martin. I watched Repo the Genetic Opera and was kind of fascinated by it when I first saw it just because of the idea of it. However, uh, I've gone back to try to watch it, and really there's only like one or two moments that really work for me. So I'm going to have to go with a uh, LA story. Kirky. Uh, I love repo. I love repo in ways. I love, re- I love repo more than I love some people. I know um, it's, it's one of my favorite movies because it is pretty bizarre for a musical. You know, it came out about the time that like, I don't know, Phantom of the Opera and Rent and uh, Mamma Mia were coming out. And so, you know, I saw all these great Broadway blockbuster musicals. And then, oh, Rupo, I like musicals. This is a musical. I can dig rock music. And I watched it, and it just kind of blew my mind that, like, whoa, like, musicals can have rock and roll and guitars? What? So I guess it's a little personal for me. but. Um, Repo has a cult following. It's it's got a huge cult following. You know, sitting on my bookshelf that I'm staring at right now, I've got a collection of Terrence Zdunich, uh, the guy who wrote it and played the grave robber. I've got his comic book series. And I've got prints that I guess you can find online everywhere of different uh, stills of the movie. And, um, I have the big book of repo fan fiction, which is just like fan fiction collected from all over the internet, compiled into a book. And then they sold it, uh, I think around Comic-Con and it's, it's just got this 
really fun um, culture to it that reminds me a lot of Rocky Horror. You know, a lot of the midnight showings, a lot of the dressing up and dancing, and L.A. Story is good, but it doesn't quite have that uh, doesn't quite have that counterculture to it. A vote for Repo. Uh, no, L.A. Story does not have the counterculture, but L.A. Story is fantastic. And you know what? You're right, Mike. I I just, it's one of those things where I don't have discussions with people about Steve Martin, so I forget that, you know, this, this is pretty much the last Steve Martin movie that's Steve Martin. Like, don't get me wrong, there's Bowfinger, there's things that come afterwards that are still enjoyable, but he changes pretty much right after L.A. Story, and he kind of goes away. There's only like three or four more movies, and then, you know, he doesn't go down the same road as... uh Eddie Murphy with just making pretty much children's movies or being a cartoon version of the Eddie Murphy that we want to see. But he, he basically dropped off the face of the earth. And I think it might be the last great Steve Martin movie. Uh, I love it to death. So I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with uh, LA story. Jared. Man, I, I, I have not seen repo um, the genetic opera, but, but I, uh... I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, pitching me a a counterculture that 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 makes me not want to go to the movie. I'm, I'm I don't want to I don't want to get involved in in all kinds of uh, rituals. I just I just want to know if it's what it's about. If it's any good, and, and I've seen L.A. Story, but I am that Steve Martin fan that that saw it one time and just like eh, whatever. But. I mean, if, if you guys have seen it more than once, I mean, I should get on that list. So I'm going to vote for L.A. Story. I'm going to check if it's on demand tonight. I'm going to watch it again. I love L.A. Story. L.A. Story is moving on. Uh, we're at the first unknown fight of the evening. If Kirky, sorry, if Christy is still awake, uh, Christy, it is Breathless, which is a 1959 movie, which Jared put on the list, which he'll be able to talk about in a second. But what is the other unknown pick? Harris, Texas. Shall I explain? Yes, explain Paris, Texas. Yes, you please. can. <laughs> if you can. All right. Um, it is a 1984 Vin Vendors drama starring Harry Dean Stanton. And um, he's this amnesiatic uh, guy. It like opens up with this guy just walking in the desert and you have no idea who he is or where he's going. Um, and uh, he stumbles into a saloon or something, and his brother comes and gets him and takes him in the car, and they're driving their way back home two days. And um, he kind of has to explain to him, you know, while Harry Dean Stanton is not talking the whole time, um, you know, you you left your wife and child four years ago. And... Um, his brother and his brother's wife has been, have been taking care of the kid. So when they get back to their place, he sees his kid. He hasn't seen him in like four years and they don't, aren't really bonding, but you know, they try. And then he finds out that his wife is in another city. So he's going to go get the wife, Harry Dean Stanton and the kid wants to come along and they kind of bond on this trip as well. And it's heartbreaking, (laughs) but, um, 
the wife is Natasha Kinski, daughter of Klaus Kinski. Um, Dean Stockwell is his brother. Everything is acted beautifully. The colors in it, the red in this movie is so beautiful. Um, it went Palm d'Or at Cannes, I guess in 84, that's when it came out. Um, it's just such a wonderful movie. Uh, what else can I say? I'm really bad at this. Monkey farts? If you think that'll help. <laughs> it might. Oh, the soundtrack was really perfect also for it. Um, See, monkey farts did help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'll, I'll be done. Uh, Mr. Formby, I'm 95% sure nobody knows what Breathless is from 1959. I do. That can't be true. I don't. Is that true? I do. Do no. know this movie? I knew what Breathless is, but I don't like Godard. Yeah, but you liked it. Herzog versus Kinski for your pick for the geek fight, right? Mm-hmm. I am not shocked that you know this the, movie, Christy. Oh, okay. Well, I'm also not. <laughs> but you asked. I had to answer. I did. I did ask. Uh, okay. But, okay. Continue. But nobody knows this movie, really? I know this movie. New. Wow. Okay. Um, th- there's a whole thing that happened in, um, in cinema history, uh, film history in the 1960s and it was called the French new wave and the French new wave was basically made up of a, this is just real shorthand. They were a bunch of uh, film critics that um, decided one day to put up or shut up, like stop complaining about the movies and how bad they are and just start making them and, you know, making them the way that they thought they should be made. And one of the pioneers of this movement was um, Jean-Luc Godard, um, who some of you may know, um, uh, shuttlecraft, uh, and Star Trek may have been named after him. That's not true. Um, <laughs> the um, thing about Breathless is that it was a gangster movie because Godard enjoyed Humphrey Bogart movies, and he thought that that was one of the highest forms of, you know, cinema as an art form was, you know, these, you know, Philip Mar- Marlowe approach to, you know, film stories, and you got the tough guy, and you got the dame, and you know, he just thought that that was an ultimate film form. So he went to go create that um, over in France. And um, as he was creating it, um, he began to become disinterested in the story he was making and uh, started uh, making up parts of the story on the fly while they were filming and just like, yeah, no, the story's going this way now and it's going that way now. And he put together a a gangster movie about a guy who's on the run from the police and, um, you know, getting along in Paris in 1959 when it all takes place. And then uh, he cut it all together and he uh, realized that he had one long, boring-ass fucking movie. So what he did was he went back into the movie and he cut out anything he thought was boring or taking too long. So basically what he ended up doing was this pioneering movement in cinema, which was the jump cut. It's a movie of these intensely awesome jump cuts that, that forward the story along. And, uh, you know just for fun, kind of redefine film language, you know, right when it needed a shot in the arm. And I saw Breathless when I also needed to have my film passion get a shot in the arm because I was getting bored with movies. Um, this was after Pulp Fiction, after uh, all this stuff that was coming out and like, oh my gosh, independent film is so edgy and it's so cool and blah, blah, blah. There was nothing as cool as Breathless. And Breathless made me like movies again. So... I would recommend Breathless over a number of other movies. Um, and it'll be hard because it's in French and it's subtitled, but 
it is definitely very fun to just watch these characters wander around this movie um, being cut around by the, the film's auteur. Um, I would even have to recommend it over Paris, Texas because Paris, Texas uh, is, is a very, very, very good movie and it's very, very important to me. Um, I, I, I love that thing. Uh, I have the screenplay for that thing. Um, but as far as um, good movies that I, I recommend other people need to see, I, I, I would have to put Breathless in front of Paris, Texas. But uh, if they were cool and we were still hanging out, I would definitely recommend Paris, Texas a little later on. All right. Uh, Dan, what's your vote? I think the story of Breathless sounds a lot more intriguing than Paris, Texas, although they both sound very interesting. I'll go with Breathless. Kirky? Yeah, I think I'm also going to go with Breathless. I'm kind of more of a fan of like the classic, almost experimental films like that. It sounds, sounds far more interesting. I'm going to go with Paris, Texas. That's right. Mr. Formby. Um, man, I thought I already voted. I did vote. Um, I'm going to go did, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and reaffirm my vote. Um, but I'm also going to say that the, the point of this list, uh, or for me as the creator of this, this episode, um, is recommending things and everyone needs the French new wave. Mr. Ortiz. Um, Hmm. I, you know, I think I'm going to go with breathless also. Um, certainly, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I'm, I'm familiar with, uh, with Breathless and familiar with, uh, you know, kind of its historical role. Um, but I just actually personally haven't seen it. Um, but I think because of that historical aspect, because it is something that, that is important and, and probably something that if you, uh, I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't really fancy myself a, a film geek, but certainly I know enough about it and know, enough that I, I like uh, to see that, that kind of advancement and reinvention of language. And I think that that's what kind of fascinates me over the, the, the history of, of, of film um, is more so watching that, that kind of evolution of, of a narrative form, uh, which really intrigues me a lot. And so then this is a movie that is part of that discussion. Uh, so I probably should see it. Um, Paris, Texas, I've also heard uh, great things about, but uh, as as a standalone movie, it probably is more uh, enjoyable and, and something that I would find more satisfying. But it's something that I guess uh, I, I feel I would want to learn more about. It would be uh, Breathless. Way to break Christy's heart while she's on the call, guys. I don't care. Shut up. Christy understands. Shut up. Breathless is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Kirky, this one is yours. It is Oscar versus Skindy. I don't know who put either of these on here. Oscar? Oscar, which I believe is the movie Oscar. Which Oscar. That was mine. Um, I I'll, have I'll explain it since movie? nobody's seen that. Literally nobody. Uh, it's it's a, based on a play. It's a bit of a farce uh, starring Sylvester Stallone, which is what that. drives a lot of people away. You've seen it? Wow. That makes two that I know of. Um, you can put me on that list too, bucko. Wow. Three people have seen this movie. Craziness. Um, anyways, it starts off with 
Sylvester Stallone's dad dying and Sylvester Stallone promising that he will go straight as he is a gangster and it's time for him to go straight as that's his father's final wish and his final promise to his father. And hilarity ensues. Uh, Stars also um, Tim Curry in a pretty hilarious role and a bunch of other people that aren't nearly as famous. But it's it's a lot of fun. He tries to go into banking and the bankers are just trying to swindle him out of his money because he's rich because he's been a booze runner for past decade or so. And uh, the guy who plays Red Foreman is the cop who's trying to bust them and they're watching from across the street and keep seeing different bags going in and out. And it, it's just a good little comedy of errors that everyone should see. And it's enjoyable and funny. And Kirky, you put skin deep on, didn't you? Or was that Jared? No, that wasn't me. It that was, was me. Mr. Formby. What's skin deep? Skin deep is, um, is a Blake Edwards comedy. Blake Edwards, of course, famous for the pink Panther. Uh, movies with Peter Sellers, um, big physical um, comedy director. And this was his team up with one of the last great physical comedians, John Ritter. Um, basically, John Ritter is, is thrown into this role where he's um, a, a womanizing um, writer character, a bit of a drunk, and he's going to get his comeuppance in this movie. Like, uh, all of his mistreatment of, of women is going to come back and, and, and get him. Um, but more than that, um, there's a lot of really touching and truly remarkable scene work um, as this, you know, older fella is starting to learn maybe, you know, he's been doing it wrong the whole time. Uh, it's also famous as the comedy that glows in the dark. There is a scene in the movie where um, John Ritter uh, at the behest of a, of a young woman conquest, um, puts on a glow-in-the-dark condom, which is this new uh, idea in the late 80s. And uh, when he has it on, the screen goes completely black, and all you can see is his bobbing you know, glow-in-the-dark condom. And uh, who should show up but her boyfriend, who also wants to try out the condom. And so it's shocking, and it's very, very funny. And I didn't even remember that scene until after I had put this on the list because so much more of the physical comedy um, is what I remember more. Uh, it's it's truly, truly good. And I think it's Blake Edwards' most personal film. I think he was actually saying a lot about his own life in that movie. And uh, I thought John Ritter was excellent. So I will have to lay it at your feet. Pick Skin Deep. Uh, Kirky. I think Skin Deep sounds more interesting. I like John Ritter. I like Glow in the Dark Condoms. So, sounds good. I don't like John Ritter. I'm glad he had a heart attack. I love Sylvester Stallone. Going Stallone. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> Jared? Um, I love Oscar. Um there's this really cute thing that Stallone's doing in that movie, um, which is the word of the day. Like part of his whole thing about trying to become straight is he's got one of those annoying desktop calendars that's teaching him a new word. And uh, he's got a word of the day and he works to incorporate it into every conversation he has, which is just really, really funny. I can't remember what the word was. I've only seen the movie the one time. Uh, Expeditious. 
which <laughs> we are not being today. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I've seen Skin Deep many, many times. Um, and uh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Skin Deep again now that I remember that it even exists. So I'm going to vote for Skin Deep. Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I have actually seen both of these movies. Um, I think I am a little bit less enamored uh, with Oscar. Um, Concept-wise, you know, I I like a lot of of movies that attempt to be sort of a throwback to an earlier time. Uh, I'm I'm not convinced that Stallone really really was the man to pull it off. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, there's a point when when most action stars... um, attempt to, to broaden out into, into comedy. Uh, I think neither he nor Schwarzenegger really nailed it. Uh, but I think Schwarzenegger was a little bit more successful in it. Um, and, uh, I, I really do. Um, hold on a second. Um, I, I had completely forgotten skin deep. Uh, as soon as Jared said, Blake Edwards, I'm like, wait a minute. I must've seen it. I think I've seen, almost everything unless it was a very very early movie and then as soon as you said john ritter it clicked in and i remember the movie completely and it is a great movie i think it may be one of john i mean john ritter was kind of on a, a on a peak with uh with three's company and uh i think he you know all of the strengths that you saw in three's company are are in this movie but but taken up this may be his best performance um because it's all of the, not just the physical humor, but even like his expression, well, I guess that's physical humor too. Um, but his, his timing, his comedic delivery, his line delivery, all of that is really great without a lot of the stickiness of three's company and replace that with the, the cleverness of, of Blake Edwards. So it really is a great movie. And, and yeah, you want to talk forgotten. I completely forgot about it until just now. And I, this is something that I was kind of like, wow, you know, I'm gonna have to watch that movie again. That was a great movie. So I guess, uh, I guess it did its job. That's the one that I want to see. Dan. So is Skin Deep winning right now? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Um, then I can vote for Oscar, even though otherwise I would be voting for Skin Deep because it does sound fantastic. I still think Oscar is worth a watch, but I would probably put Skin Deep above that on the list. A vote for Skin Deep. Well, Oscar, but Skin Deep is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Uh, this next one is me. It is Mario. It is Mirror Mask versus Existence. Uh, I'm pretty. Uh, Kirky, you, you're the one that would put Mirror Mask on, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't that the uh, Neil Gaiman book movie thing? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, I was just. Uh, yeah. You can tell later. But right now, I'm going to vote for Mirror Mask because I have seen Existence. I'm not a huge Cronenberg fan. Uh, and I, I remember why I don't like the movie. And I've seen it several times. I haven't just seen it the one time. But the first time I saw it, uh, it was being played up like a... Uh, yeah. I, 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 it just it wasn't what I wanted. And then when I saw it again later, I seen it, saw it like just six months ago. I was like, oh, this still was not what I wanted. So uh, I'm going to vote for Mirror Mask because I've seen both. Uh, Jared. Um, I've seen Mirror Mask. Um, I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Uh, the nothing, nothing in that. I I really wanted to to like whatever it was. I remember going, "Oh, this is Neil Gaiman. It's it's going to be kind of a fantasy thing. It's going to be, you know, an otherworldly thing." I I really enjoy things like that. Um, 
and I, I right now I'm even scrambling to even think of, of an image or, or a scene or a part uh, in that movie that I really, really want to makes me want to revisit it again. But I, I'm coming up blank. Um, so I've got to recommend Existence, which is the the Cronenberg movie, um, uh, David Cronenberg, uh, who put together um, this idea that um, people are getting really into playing video games. And this is just the late 90s. Like, well, video games are kind of a big deal. People like this alternate reality, like projecting themselves into something else. Yeah, well, what if... It, you could be in the game actually for real. Like what if there was like a, a technology that put you right in that? And what if you couldn't tell if you were playing or if you were actually living your life? And that concept alone makes it fantastic. And Jennifer Jason Lee is probably the sexiest thing she's ever been in that movie. So I'm going to vote for existence. Mr. Ortiz. Uh, this is, this is actually kind of tough. Um, I have seen Mirror Mask. I was told uh, earlier today that I have seen Existence, but uh, I don't. I don't know that I recall that for sure. Um, and plot wise, uh, the, the, there's several movies from around that time period that that played with a lot of of uh, alternate reality type things, and, and, and some of them kind of blend together for me a little bit. Um, I don't know, like which one. Existence probably has a more a wider mainstream appeal. Um, Mirror Mask uh, is continually referred to as, as Neil Gaiman, but it's really a Dave McKean movie. It's much more in line with McKean's visuals than uh, Gaiman's rather heavy prose. I mean, Gaiman stuff is 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 very kind of straightforward. Where I think this is much more ethereal than his work, and, and I think stylistically reminds me a lot more of some of the stuff that McKean wrote. Um, so I don't know that it really is something that a wider audience is going to dig. Uh, but, you know, I think I'm going to vote for it anyway. I actually, I, I, I bought the, the movie when it came out and then I got it as part of a box set with the dark crystal and with labyrinth. And it does oddly, I think fit in with, with those two. So maybe, maybe people who are, are fans of those movies, uh, this is something they could try out as well. Damn. Did I hear that Neil Gaiman's behind Mirror Mask? Yes, somewhat. He wrote the screenplay. Okay, that's good enough for me. Kirky? <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, Mirror Mask all the way. It is such a great movie. One of the things I love about Mirror Mask is that it's about this girl whose family lives with the circus um, or works with the circus and she hates it and wants to run away, which is kind of the opposite of like the stereotypical things that kids do. And it's, it's just stylistically beautiful, visually just wonderful. Um, you say you can't recall any part, but uh, it's got one of my favorite creepy scenes in cinema where uh, the girl, Helena, I think her name is, she um, she's kidnapped by this evil queen and these robot things are dressing her up to look like the evil princess and they're singing, why do birds suddenly appear in this like weird robotic haunting way. Um, 
it's it's a really really cool movie. Mirror mask. Into the next round, we are on to our next fight. Jared, this one is yours. It is the specials versus the game. Uh, is this the the Kurt Douglas? Or sorry, Mike Douglas game. The game. Yes. Okay. Versus the specials, which I'm 95% sure nobody has ever heard of before, with the exception of Mr. Mike Ortiz. Uh, It is a movie about the seventh best superhero team in the world. Uh, They are the guys that you you don't call them. Like, they they don't get called. Uh, They basically do it real world style. Uh, It's got Patrick Brewster, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, a couple other people that you would recognize when you watch the movie. Uh, Rob Lowe. I don't want to bring up Rob Lowe. He's the weevil. And, and they, they have pretty shitty superpowers, and they're talking to the camera about the interplay between the team, the specials, and uh, well, Jamie Kennedy's in the movie. Yeah, so I, I really, really enjoy the movie. If you if you like quirky superhero comedies, uh, that one is one for you. Uh, and the game is the game, which I'm 95% sure everybody does know what the game is. Uh, Mr. Formby? Yeah, I, I know what the game is. Um, and and I, I like the game. I, I, I can recommend the game. But uh, I want to know more about the special, so I'm going to vote that forward. Mr. Ortiz. Um, hmm. This is, uh, this is strangely tough also. Um, I, I've seen both of these movies. Um, the game is certainly well known, but I think maybe it isn't uh, as well known as some of Fincher's other stuff, and it covers some of the same territory that uh, he would cover again in Fight Club, uh, and certainly has has uh, elements of of stuff that runs through uh, a lot of his early work. Um, the specials uh, is by James Gunn. It was also was it written or produced by? Um, what the fuck is that guy's name? Who did Free Enterprise? I think it's just produced. produced. James Gunn wrote the um, movie too. And it came from uh, Mind Fire Entertainment, the company that, that made Free Enterprise. Um, and that's how you know, kind of that's how I found out about it is because I was a fan of Free Enterprise and I found out that they had made that. And, and Anchor Bay eventually did pick that one up uh, as well as uh, Free Enterprise and release that. I think a lot of people are going to come to that movie. Uh, I know Anchor Bay doesn't have any more, but somebody will because James Gunn is. Uh, doing the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which is also a movie about a, a weird, quirky group of superheroes. Um, uh, but I, I think I'm going to vote for the game. I think it's a, a better movie overall. I think it, a lot more people would click with it. Um, if if you like quirky superhero comedies, uh, yeah, but I think that's a, that's really a much smaller group, and I think a lot of that group has seen it. I mean, it's not an, an unknown movie. Um, it's been called Mystery Men Done Right. Um, though I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that because uh, uh, there are a lot, uh, a lot of of problems inherent with a low budget superhero movie show up here, and then those can be kind of problematic. Um, but I think the game is a, is a big kind of enjoyable production that uh, that make, makes you think a lot. But if you think too much, it starts to fall apart a little bit. I think he would tighten that up when he got the Fight Club. But uh, I think uh, because it's a little bit more mainstream, good, solid performance from both Sean Penn and Michael Douglas. Uh, I think I'm going to vote for the game. The game, a movie people haven't seen. It's on every weekend. Dan, I like the game. It's it is a great psychological thriller. 
a lot of good music in it. Um, specifically, there's a fantastic scene with uh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Starship. Question mark. One of oh those my bands. God. Uh, yeah, Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, they're same thing. No, they're not. Okay, minus one or two people. Whatever. Uh, good stuff there. A uh, lot of intriguing, thought-provoking stuff. Nothing too deep, but uh, yeah, it's a fun movie. If you like Fincher or Mike Douglas or Sean Penn, all of those are represented well with the game. That being said, I really want to see the specials, and I'm kind of surprised I haven't already, uh, so I'm going to vote for that. A vote for the specials. Kirky. I have not seen or heard of either of these, um, uh, so not knowing anything about the game, I really, I really like David Fincher. Um, I think I'm going to go for the game because superhero, quirky superheroes, I think you're right in that it's so easy to do it wrong. And maybe it is done right, but. I would, not knowing really anything about either, I would go David Fincher over work. Wow. It's all tied up. It comes down to me. Uh, the Game is a very good movie. Uh, a very good movie that comes on uh, once a month or so, like on TV. Uh, the Specials is something you actually have to dig for. Uh, it's, it is on DVD, but you actually have to find a copy somewhere, which is incredibly hard to do. It is never on TV. I've never seen it on network or any network ever. I don't know if anybody's ever picked it up. I'm sure soon they will pick it up. I I think uh, the other James Gunn movie will start popping up on TV a lot more too, because of the fact that that movie comes out, at least if it's, if it's a huge hit, the James Gunn stuff will start falling to the surface like Scooby-Doo, but um, (laughs) he wrote Scooby-Doo. Yeah. The ga- I think the game is much, much, much bigger and more prevalent. Kirky uh, uh, hasn't heard of it, but I think way more people have heard of it that, that would like it and have seen it. Uh, I think the people that would like the specials have not seen the specials. I, I think it's one of those hidden gems. If, if you're listening to this show and you've never heard of the specials, you probably like the specials. Uh, Patrick Brewster is hilarious. Uh, come on. All, all, the, all the stretchy superheroes have cancer. Every last one of them. They all die of cancer. Oh, what about Stretchy Boy? He used to have that patch of skin on his chest and he would rub it on my face. That was his scrotum. Like, uh, I, I love it. I love it so much. I, I'm voting for the specials. And the specials is moving on. Mike, this next one is yours. It is following versus throw mama from the train. I don't know who put following on the list. I do know who put Ma- throw mama from the train. That was, that was Jared. But who put following on here? That was me. What's following? Following is Christopher Nolan's first movie that he made with like $10,000 and his friends on weekends over the course of six months. It uh, is very much like the beginning of his style of movie where, you know, they play with time, uh, story versus plot. You know, they, they show you things out of order so that the story works or the plot works better for you. It's, it's very intriguing. It's about a guy who uh, 
is a writer or trying to be a writer and starts following people. And he ends up following this guy who robs houses and starts, uh, gets confronted by him and starts robbing the houses with him. And, you know, things go badly as they tend to do in these situations. And it's a good twist where he ends up being kind of screwed over. It's, it's very much Christopher Nolan. It's very much a good movie. Uh, yeah. Worth a watch. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jared, why did you put throw mama from the train on here? Uh, throw mama from the train is, is a great movie that uh, I get the idea that people either didn't see it or, or, or they don't know about it. Um, so I put that on the list. Um, it, it's about a writer. Um, so uh, going up against Chris Nolan here, um, this is a writer um, who basically wrote one awesome book, and the book um, was stolen from him by his uh, now ex-wife. She basically picked up the ream of paper, slapped her name on it, and now she's this huge success. And uh, this writer is played by Billy Crystal. So Billy Crystal is teaching at the community college and begrudgingly and angrily trying to pound out a better novel because, you know, she didn't write that book. She's a fraud. I wrote that book. Obviously, I got another book in me. But does he? That's his whole crux. And in the middle of this black comedy where he's just trying to get the perfect opening line for his book, he meets this guy named Owen Lift, who's played by Danny DeVito, the director of the movie, who has a very unique problem. He's got a, a mother who is the worst mother ever and uh, basically, the whole thing turns into a, a twist on the Hitchcock plotline, Strangers on the Train, where basically they can swap murders to see if they can get away with it. So Danny DeVito will go kill the wife if Billy Crystal can handle the mother. And it's just absurdly wild and very, very good. I will have to recommend Throw Mama from the Train over... Following shot on weekends. It's directed by Danny Vito. Uh, Mr. Ortiz. Um, I have seen both of these movies. Um, not greatly invested in either of them. Um, I think a lot of people haven't seen the following because uh, it, I saw it on on video. Um, I, I don't doubt that it was even released in the U.S. theatrically, or if it was, it was very limited. Um, I think a lot of people may have stayed away from Throw Mama from the Train because it's an odd title, and certainly, uh, I think this was a point when Billy Crystal was was kind of starting to to slide in some of his popularity. Um, I thought Throw Mama from the Train, I kind of always wanted it to go a little darker. Uh, I think for me, tonally, it was lighter than than I kind of felt it it should be, and I get that with a lot of of kind of somewhat darker comedies. That you know, for me, it feels like there was a, a an even darker comedy in there that somehow, uh, and the, the Hollywood process gets uh, gets sort of toned down a little bit. And uh, and and I and Danny DeVito as a director has certainly taken his movies to to really dark places and and, and done so very very well. So I think for me, throw mama from the from the train tonally doesn't connect as much. Uh, following very very clearly is not the polished director that you would even see in his 
in Memento, which was his first kind of, you know, major, although that's still kind of a small indie movie. Uh, the, the gulf between following and memento is pretty significant, but you can certainly see the beginnings of a style there. So at least from a, from a curiosity standpoint, standing around, or at least around one filmmaker, um, if you're someone who, who kind of is, is a fan of Christopher Nolan, uh, through, through his other movies and you haven't checked out, uh, following it's, it's certainly worth a look to, to see kind of where it all began. So you're voting for following? Yes. Okay, just double checking. Uh, Dan, uh, I like Throw Mama, or I like following a lot. As I mentioned, it's it's a good movie. Throw Mama from the Train does sound very very intriguing, though. Uh, it it I like Hitchcock's original uh, the whatever it was. Mine's blanking, um, and I'm looking forward to watching it. But I'm gonna have to go for following because if if you like any of the Nolan movies, uh, then it's worth checking out, especially Memento. A vote for following, Kirky. I'm also voting for following. I very much like it. It's it's bizarre. It's weird. Um, but highly recommended. I unfortunately haven't seen Girl Mama from the Train. The concept sounds interesting to me, but it doesn't sound like it would be quite as engaging. <sighs> it so sucks because Danny DeVito's directing career got cut short unless he's picked, uh, unless somebody gave him another chance after Death to Smoochie, which is a ma- an amazing movie. Uh, DeVito, I love his direction. Uh, and uh, I love Danny DeVito. I also like Billy Crystal. And what's her name? And. What's her name? She's a, the scary old lady from Goonies. That's Anne Ramsey. Anne Ramsey. Uh, I like her too. I like that movie. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with what I know. Fuck you, following. Plus, I'm not that big a, a Nolan fan. Uh, I, I've come to. Really- yeah, I was. I was gonna ask. So, if you're like a fan of Christopher Nolan, I mean, what if you don't like Inception? I mean, is following yeah. still for you, or you gotta yeah. like Inception? I don't like Inception. I don't like uh, like Memento. I liked it at the time, but watching it now, not a huge fan of it. Uh, I don't really like Dark Knight Rises, even though it's okay. You know, it's got great Batman moments. Uh, the only the only Nolan movie I like, really, really like, is Dark Knight, and I think it's all because Heath Ledger does such an awesome job being the Joker. And had Heath Ledger played the Riddler, I don't think I would have liked the movie. I think I think that one is all Joker. So. Um, yeah, I, I've definitely got to go with Throw Mama from the Train. Uh, Mr. Formby. There's this uh, awesome scene in, in Throw Mama from the Train where, I mean, the, the, the two characters are so so at odds. I mean, Billy Crystal's already over everything. He doesn't really want to give this guy the time of day. But when his wife turns up missing, he's basically got to run from the law. So he ends up living with with Owen, the Dan Vito character, because the cops are looking for him. So he's stuck there. He hates the situation. And uh, Dan DeVito goes to cheer him up. And he says, do you want to see my coin collection? And he goes, no, I don't want to see your coin collection. He goes, oh, okay. And he goes, okay, no, you know what? Fuck it. Just, okay, show me the coin collection. You know, paraphrasing. And when he brings out the coins, it's all like, this is a nickel. And this is a dime. And this is Danny DeVito. And this is a quarter, right? And like all of these coins are just put out in front of Billy Crystal. And he finally gets annoyed and goes, are any of these coins worth anything? And every one of these coins 
are tied to a story about Dan DeVito and his father who he barely knew. Like basically it was like, this is the quarter that I got in change when uh, I was getting caught in candy, you know, and my dad bought the, bought the popcorn and he gave me the change. He let me keep the change. And so I've kept the change and, you know, you never find out what happened to the father, but you can see how important the father was to him. And it's really, really, really touching scene with a great reversal. I think from off the train is a brilliant movie and I think it's highly underrated and I recommend it still. But following is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Uh, who's that? Dan. Uh, this one is yours. It is Slither. Another James Gunn movie. That was one is the one with uh, Nathan Fillion. Uh, versus Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which I believe is the George Clooney directorial debut. Do you need okay. any, Do you need any more than that, or have you seen um, both of these? I've seen neither of these, oh. but I've heard of Slither and actually caught like two or three minutes of it on TV once. Uh, but I'm a bigger fan of Nathan Fillion and than I am of George Clooney, so I'll go with Slither for now until someone convinces me otherwise. Uh, Mike, convince him otherwise. Uh, well, I, I will vote for Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I put it on the list. Um, it is uh, it is George Clooney's directorial directorial debut, but the debut debut. But uh, it is really it is all Sam Rockwell, and it is the story of Chuck Barris, who created uh, the Gong Show and the Newlywed Game, and uh, had one hit single in the fifties called Palisades Park. And it's a, an autobiography is based on his autobiography where he confesses to have actually been a CIA hitman the whole time. Um, and it's played straight. Uh, people don't know if he's, you know, just making a joke. Most people who know him don't believe it. Uh, but in the context of the movie, it's very believable because he was just sort of a weird, angry, kind of somewhat perverse uh, man with, uh, with some anger issues. And the CIA recruited him because they saw the, these as potential uh, assassin qualities and uh, they would send him around the world and he would carry out hits uh, all under the guise of being this, this TV guy. Um, and it, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Um, Sam Rockwell, I think gives uh, a, what should have been a career making performance uh, as Chuck Berry, you completely buy him as a cold icy killer. And then when you get the scenes that are reenacted from the gong show with him acting silly and strange, uh, it, it all, it all fits in. So uh, I think it's a fantastic movie. A lot of people didn't see it. I think uh, pe- younger people either just didn't know or didn't care about Chuck Barris. Older people just thought the idea of him being an assassin was ludicrous. Uh, this was Clooney's uh, directorial debut. So a lot of times, you know, you don't know if if this is just some weird actor vanity project. Uh, but it turns out he actually has some some pretty amazing directorial chops. Uh, it's a visually very striking movie. It's got a great cast. Um, if you like, if, if you like anything Sam Rockwell has done, then you will like Sam Rockwell in this movie because he really steals the show. So it's one of my favorite movies and, uh, it's a movie that, that very few people seem to to have seen or certainly seem to talk about. But, uh, for me, it's one of my favorites. Do, 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 do. We lost Kirky off the call and I don't know why, but let's put her back on the call right now in one way or the other. We call her phone. I know she's signing on to Skype, and it's going to be impossible to edit any of this out because I'm going to just keep talking so Mike can't cut this at all. And I'm pretty sure he wouldn't cut it anyway because he's lazy, and laziness is what rules. 
And Kirky doesn't know anything about this movie. So, I know. Yeah. Uh, so it is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which I hope you know about, but Mike just explained it beautifully, and you didn't get to hear any of it, versus Slither. Versus Slither? Yeah. What was that? Your phone was cutting in and out. Oh, sorry. What? I should have signal here. Um, alien worms take over a small town. They start invading. And Nathan Fillion is the only one who can save the world. It's amazing. Yeah. Versus the Sam Rockwell amazing movie. But you're, you're going with uh, Slither? Oh, hell yeah. And you would be wrong. <laughs> Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is fantastic. Uh, yeah, Sam Rockwell, Drew Barrymore do uh, an amazing job. And I do buy that he was a part of the CIA and oh, me too. The killing people. It really like the, works. The, it's such a convincing story. Like We're going to take these people on fabulous vacations to these horrible places, and he goes and kills people. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Formby. Which one's going to win? Oh, man, this is so unfair because uh, I haven't seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, but I've seen Slither. And Slither doesn't cut the mustard for me, man. It just doesn't. And I don't know if it's because of the hype machine that, that James Gunn was, was uh, spearheading that I was part of, that I really enjoyed being part of, but yeah, no, I'd rather uh, try out this interesting film I haven't seen, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Wow. I am amazed that you haven't seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Jared. I think yeah, I'm pretty one, sure you'd like it. Yeah, that's right up your alley. It's a Jared Formby special, sir. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Kirky, this one is yours. It is Suicide Club, which is your pick. Versus the front, which is somebody else's okay. pick, but I don't think it matters because you're picking Suicide Club. Tell us why. Okay, Suicide Club is a weird Japanese movie. Apparently, I really like the Asian ones. Um. Okay, so you know how people say that, like listening to rock music and playing violent video games and all that, like terrible, horrible, grim, dark, goth media stuff will make you kill yourself. Um. Uh, Suicide Club presents this alternate alternate uh, reality where listening to happy, poppy, bubbly pop music makes you kill yourself. So all of these school children, mostly schoolgirls all over the world, are killing themselves. Um, it's gory and weird and adorable. Um, I love it. Very, very, very much. It's it's just so like um, the the happy pop group, um, you know, influences this dark goth punk rocker to like kidnap girls and keep them in a bowling alley. You know, it's just so the opposite of what you think. It's great. See, there's that Suicide Club. I don't know the front. Uh, Suicide Club, I did see, but that was during the phase where I was watching lots of Asian cinema because it was very, very different than what Americans did. Uh, just, just the cultural things that 
happen in, in Asian cinema in general just because it's a different culture. It makes it vastly different than anything I was watching at the time. And uh, I don't know the front, but I was watching Suicide Club because I saw Asian schoolgirls and I'm a pervert. So I, I watched that movie. That's, and I'm going to vote for it right now, even though there was no nudity in that movie, which made me mad. Uh, Jared. Mr. Formby? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, cast my uh, recommendation for uh, Suicide Club, having not seen either of these films. A vote for the club. Bring it up. Uh, Mike. Uh, well, I'm the one who put the front on the list. And the front is a, uh, a Woody Allen Zero Mostel movie. Um, from the mid seventies. Uh, and it's, it's often forgotten because Woody Allen didn't write or direct it. He just starred in it. Um, and it's a story of a writer, uh, in the 1950s, um, a pretty mediocre or terrible writer in the 1950s who gets work because of, of other blacklisted writers, uh, communist sympathizers or people just who wouldn't, who wouldn't turn over names and they would get blacklisted. And they basically hired him to write stuff for them. So he would write it under his name uh, and they would give him a, a chunk. And uh, it was a television writer, I believe. Um, Zero Mostel plays uh, an actor that gets kind of caught up in the, the blacklisting uh, story and, uh, and ultimately has a, a fairly tragic fate. It's a great performance by Zero Mostel. Um, great performance by Woody Allen. Uh, it's, it's very funny. Uh, and it's it's very kind of poignant, and it's about McCarthyism. So it's got uh, a political message, but not kind of a really you know overt strong one. It was it's mostly just kind of making fun of the of a character that is willingly profiteering off of this uh, more so than being kind of a, a critique. Although certainly the, the tragic ending um, for one of the characters, uh, you know, will will sort of highlight that. And it's a movie that, like many of the things that I've put on the list, just kind of got ignored or doesn't get talked about. Uh, in, in sort of the larger discussion of someone's work. Uh, I think even though it, it was not written by or directed by Woody Allen, I think it, it still fits with uh, with his very early comedies. It's not quite as farcical. Um, it's a little bit more tied in. I think that makes it a little bit more of a straightforward comedy. But uh, because it's kind of largely ignored, even though I think it's uh, a great movie, and I, I believe it's Zero Mostel's last performance, and certainly you know, probably people younger than, than I have, have never heard of it, um, but even a lot of people that I know, uh, have not heard of it. Uh, like I've mentioned before, I used to be a huge Woody Allen fan and this was actually one of my favorite of his performances. So, um, because it is, I think a forgotten gem from, uh, from a, a, a great director that, uh, that gets a lot of attention. Um, I think it deserves a look. A vote for the front, Dan. Both of these movies sound interesting. Uh, I think the one I'd rather watch right now would be Suicide Club. Suicide Club, girls committing suicide. That was a song that from that movie. I remember it vividly. Uh, suicide Club is moving on. We're on to our next. Wait, 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 wait! I want to change my vote to the front. Okay, Suicide Club is moving on. The front got an extra vote. Suicide Club is moving on. We're on to our next fight. It's Josie and the Pussycats versus Near Dark. We've talked about Josie and the Pussycats a lot on this show. 
Uh, I think I've, we've even told the story of how we went to see it and there were a bunch of little girls in the theater and we felt bad. And then the movie started with Backdoor Lover. And then we were like, oh, no, we're not the ones in the wrong movie. They are. Uh, it's a fabulous movie. It's meant for weird adults like us as opposed to small little girls. So if that's the movie you thought you, that, that you avoided, it, it, you're wrong. It does have singing. So if you don't like singing, you, you, you may not like it. It's not a musical. Uh, it's a great movie. I love it. Versus Near Dark, which is a Bill Paxton <laughs> vehicle. He's not the lead, but he's in the movie. I think it's one of his first films. Uh, it's a vampire movie. I'm not a huge fan of vampire movies. I'm going to go with uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, Jared. Um, I've seen both of these movies. Uh, I love Catherine Bigelow. She made Near Dark. Uh, I have not seen the movie since VHS was a thing. I've seen Josie and the Pussycats more recently, mostly because recommendations from this show. Um, it seems kind of funny, but because Geek Fights has recommended Josie and the Pussycats so much before, I feel like it should at least get out of the first round. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw Catherine Bigelow under the bus to uh, go ahead and let the unofficial favorite Geek Fights movie out of the first round. Mr. Ortiz. This, uh, this sucks so much it makes me want to just end Geek Fights now and not have to answer this question. Just end the show. Fuck it. We're done. Because I don't want to have to answer this question. I put Near Dark on this list. Um, certainly, Josie would have been put on the list if you hadn't put it on there first. Um, we have sung its praises many times. But also, I, I think back to the best vampire episode when I, I brought up Near Dark. And and people on... Pretty much, I, I think I was the only one who really saw it and certainly the only one who liked it. Um, and I was shocked that you know we're having a discussion about the best vampire and, and no one on this on the panel is, is really familiar with, with near dark. Um, you said you're not a fan of vampire movies. It, it's, I think it's one of the best vampire movies. It's my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, and, uh, and it's not a vampire movie. It's, it's the word vampire is never used. They, they really kind of skirt around it. It's this very strange, uh, almost kind of a, a Western movie. And yeah, it's not a Bill Paxton movie. It's a Catherine Bigelow movie. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you, you can see the, the stylization uh, the, the, that she kind of uses her entire career, you know, back at this time. And it features basically the, the, the supporting cast of the movie Aliens, because um, I believe she was married to Cameron at this time, wasn't she? When uh, they, were dating. they were dating. They were dating. Because he real. directed the music video for uh, that, that came out around this. I have a personal connection with Near Dark because... Uh, it, it, uh, like, you know, I've, I've been talking a lot about the stuff I've done at Anchor Bay. Um, it was, it was a project I worked on at Anchor Bay. It was actually before Anchor Bay even had the project. It was a, a fake sample I made, uh, to get the job. Uh, so I have a personal connection with it. And, I, and again, it's one of my favorite horror movies, but, uh, it's up against Josie and the Pussycats. And, uh, like I, like I was talking about before the show, as soon as I saw this topic, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, we've recommended it to many people. Uh, none of them to date have been, I think, let down. Um, so it breaks my heart to see Near Dark go down. But if it's going to go down, I might as well go down to Josie. 
backdoor lover coming from behind with the lights turned low. Dan? Uh, Near Dark sounds like a very interesting uh, vampire movie. Uh, I think it'll be worth the watch. Uh, the only time I've ever had any desire to watch Josie and the Pussycats has been just you guys talking about it now. Uh, uh, so um, I'll go with uh, Near Dark. It's so good. It's so good. Do yourself a favor. Kirky. I think it's funny that you say that Josie and the Pussycats isn't for the uh, little girls who went to the theater with you because I was one of those little girls. I went to go see Josie and the Pussycats in theaters when I was 10 years old and I fucking loved it. So that that movie was for us. Also, Backdoor Lover. I hadn't seen that movie since I was a kid, so that just ruined a very large part of my childhood. Um, but it is a great movie. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, it's not for kids, but it is for kids. Like the humor in it is supposed to completely make fun of how stupid all of those old, you know, Josie and the Pussycats, gem, whatever shows were. So adults get a lot more of the humor than the kids will. But, um, you know, it, it still is fun for everyone. Uh, I have not seen near dark. It sounds really interesting and I'm probably going to look and see if it's on Netflix or something because I would really like to see that. Um, I think for the purpose of the podcast, like doing obscure stuff, I'd have to recommend Josie and the Pussycats because I think that people who hadn't heard of either of these movies would assume all of the wrong things about Josie. And not watch it for reasons that would be ultimately stupid. So that's where my vote goes. Yeah, you know what? What's funny about that, Kirky? Uh, we now know why you are the way you are because you saw Josie and the Pussycats when you were ten. That that movie really is not for kids. <laughs> it well, it's funny because like my mom took us, and then like as soon as it came out on DVD or maybe VHS back then, I remember like she bought it for us. So, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, don't think- I, I never got any of the weird, dirty stuff, if there is dirty stuff. So, I'm going to have to go back and, like, really watch it again. The stuff that, that really is not for kids is stuff they just wouldn't even get. Yeah, I know. I don't think it's inappropriate for them. It's just uh, not. Come on, backdoor lover. I don't still- know what that means. I know. But and then it- they find out what it means, and that's better. It comes from behind twice. with the lights turned low. Come that's, on. God damn it. <laughs> Just you and me. No one has to know. Come on. They say it's what about it is someone who visits them through the back door. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, that's Doesn't just how he comes that, into the like, house. It's a boy you like, and your parents yeah. don't like him. So you the have to see news. him, like, because your parents' bedroom is by the front door. So, huh. it, see? Yep, it 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 does not work. <laughs> it works if you're ten. It works if you're ten, if you're ten. and you know about anal sex, then you're fine with it. Uh, well, if you know about anal sex at ten, you have problems. Uh, we're at the last fight of the first round. Yes, possibly the longest first round ever, but it was a good long first round. It is the other unknown. It is frequently asked time, uh, frequently asked questions about time travel, which is Dan's pick versus. The other unknown pick, 
that Christy is going to give us right now. What is the other unknown pick, Christy? Shotgun stories. Has anyone seen this? No. <gasps> really? Yes. Yes. Possibly. Really? Remind or us. Yes, you've seen it. Well, remind us what it is. I'm yes, going I have. To. You have. Okay. All right, so this is a Jeff Nichols film, whom I love, and it stars Michael Shannon, whom I also love very much. And it's um, the Stark drama. Um, I think it takes place in Arkansas, and um, there are these group of adultish boys, and they were raised by their really mean mom. (laughs) And... um, you know, just shitty lives, whatever. And their mom tells them that their dad has just died. Now, their dad had um, just left them and started a new family, a new loving family, and had a bunch of sons with this other wife. And so they go and crash the funeral. And um, it's basically this feud between these sets of half-brothers. And it gets really violent and creepy and awful. And, um, I'm really bad at describing things. And I think I said this before when I was trying to tell you guys to vote for Paris, Texas, but, um, it's, you know, by an indie director, it was Jeff Nichols first real film. Um, and you know, his best to me, um, even though he's getting more acclaimed now these days and Michael Shannon is amazing in it. Um, and you should go watch it because I know it's on Netflix and if you have Netflix, it's on the streaming. So you should go watch it even if you're not going to vote for it. Okay, Dan, frequently asked questions about time travel. What is it A about? British nerd movie about three blokes who go to the pub and start talking about time travel and how Hollywood is stupid and end up going on a ridiculous time travel adventure through the men's bathroom in the pub that they're at. Uh, Hilarious. There's a lot of uh, interplay between the time travel. Like one guy will go in the the go travel through time. And as the other two are about to follow, he'll pop out of the other door and be have a fully grown beard and said, don't go in there. It was hell. Don't do it. Stuff like that. It's a hilarious movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to. It's, it's comedy at its finest. It's British comedy at its finest. Yeah. Mr. Formby, which one are you picking? Man. Um, did, did I just hear that there's a movie Wherein General Zod is in Kansas with a shotgun. Yeah, I I think I want to see that very much. Um, I don't know that dude. I, I know that he's gotten all these big raves before, critically or whatever. But I, I hadn't seen the motherfucker until like he showed up to kick Superman's ass. And I was like, who the fuck is that? That guy is charismatic as all get out. He's fucking so, awesome. So yeah, I want to I want to see some more of that that cat's work. Um, the time travel movie sounds good too. I haven't seen it either. Um, man, this is kind of tough. Um, of the two, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and recommend. Uh, I'm gonna recommend uh, the the time travel movie because I love time travel. I want to see time travel silliness, but I will probably be watching Michael Shannon a lot sooner. 
Mr. Ortiz. Um, I I do love uh, Michael Shannon. Um, actually, Jared, you uh, will also want to check out Boardwalk Empire. Um, he does a, a great job. Uh, he, my favorite part of that show. Um, and uh, but you know this is a, this is one where I have not seen either of the movies. So for me, it comes down to which which does sound like the one that I would most want to see. And we had talked about frequently asked questions about time travel on. I believe our best of time travel episode was that the one we yes. talked about it, uh, and it sounded great. It uh, it it did pretty well there. Um, I definitely wanted to see it, and it was something that that even since then I've wanted to see. But I think we figured out it isn't available on Netflix, or it isn't available easily. Um, so, but if the opportunity arises, I definitely want to go for it because it sounded great. Um, uh, the other movie, uh, I li- I like Michael Shannon a lot. I've seen him in several things. Uh, like I said, Boardwalk Empire is my favorite. Certainly, I, I liked him in Man of Steel. Um, so I've seen him, and if he's the main selling point, I've seen plenty of other things with him. But I'm I'm still desperate for a time travel movie that I, other than Bill and Ted, uh, that I can walk out of and go, wow, that all fit and it all made sense and it was all great. And I don't know that this is it, but I'll give it a shot. It's so, on uh, HBO. Really? It's on demand. Oh, sweet. Well, I'm going to watch that uh, soon. Yeah, it Did is it on just HBO. Come on recently? Since yeah. the show? Okay. Yeah, because I was watching it the other day. Then I am definitely going to watch that one. So I guess that uh, that would be my pick. Uh, Danifer. Can I get somebody's HBO Go password? <laughs> I don't have HBO Go password. Sorry. Mike, give yours out on the show. But uh, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I brought this movie back to America. Um, I'm sure there were people that have, and this movie, I mean, frequently asked questions about time travel. I'm sure there have been people that saw it before I did, but I went to Australia and joined a film society at the university I was at. And we did a time travel evening where we watched this and it was fantastic. I'm like, I need to get this. And I've been showing it to people ever since. And I've not heard a single person say that they were disappointed in it. Um, yeah, uh, shotgun stories I watched for a best first film episode we did over at the Cinemasters podcast, which is another podcast I do. And I wasn't thoroughly impressed with it. I mean, Michael Shannon does a fantastic job. There's no denying that, but the, the story is interesting. It's just not paced very well. So it feels really long and drawn out. Whereas, Frequently asked, quest- frequently asked questions about time travel. It starts off kind of slow, as movies tend to do, but it picks up real quick and doesn't stop until the end. It's it's fantastic. Stars Chris O'Dowd, uh, Anna Ferris in an actually decent role for her, where you don't just want to punch her in the face the entire time, only in like half the time. And yeah, it's fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, vote for. I was gonna say backdoor lover, but it's uh, frequently asked questions about time travel. Uh, Kirky. Honestly, I have to say that both of these movies pique my interest. What the heck? <laughs> That's awesome. What was awesome? That was kind of perfect. Because <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. Hello. No, we we didn't hear anything either. 
Okay. I think it just stopped. Well, she just said they pique her interest. Yeah, yeah, I can't tell if that was like a endorsement for both or if that was a criticism no, of sorry. Peak Fights form. Um, I have the shittiest <laughs> internet. Uh, no, okay, so uh, I'm going to... They both sound interesting. Uh, I don't know if I can choose because they're so vastly different that it's weird to compare the two. So I, uh, I've been looking on Netflix while we've been talking about these movies and adding what I can. And I've added shotgun stories, but when I looked up frequently asked questions, um, it gave me Spy Kids 4D, which is offensive to all of my senses. So I'm (laughs) going to have to go with shotgun stories. I stole (laughs) I stole frequently asked questions about time travel from the Internet because Dan said it was so good. I watched it and I do enjoy it Uh, and, and so much so that. I, I just went to HBO On Demand and turned it back on again. Chris O'Dowdy, isn't that his name? That, that Irish dude uh, from the IT club or whatever it is. IT whatever crowd. There we go. Uh, he's the lead. I like the movie a lot. And uh, I don't like Michael Shannon. I don't know why. I liked him as odd, but I, there's just something about him. He's, I think he's too intense for me. It happens. I'm not saying he's not good. I think he's just too intense. I don't think I'll ever be able to handle him in my back door. <laughs> oh, jeez. Frequently asked questions about time travel is moving on. We're almost about to go to break, but Christy had like a hundred things that she wanted to say. There were like a hundred different movies that she had. She wants to rattle them off really quickly of other movies you should see before we go to break. So go ahead, Christy. Rattle them off. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm just going to list the movies. So, okay. Things you should see. Paris, Texas. Shotgun Stories. Um, Sally the Sawdust, Orday, Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives, The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, Another Year, Gates of Heaven, Baby Doll, and Cave of the Yellow Dog. I'm done. Back to lover. Back to lover. You know my baby. 
Here at For Dr. Loves, the erotic superstore that services all your sexual needs and has access to sexual materials and accurate sex information that promotes health and happiness, baby. Their goal is to serve as the world's finest resource for quality products and information. They want to model honest communication about sexuality and take every possible opportunity to promote the philosophy that sex is fun and natural. We hope you'll join them in their pursuit of pleasure. Live, laugh, love. That's the philosophy of Dr. Love's, baby. Let's take a look at a highlighted product from Dr. Love's massive inventory of sexual pleasure toys. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, from Icon Brands comes the Velvet Plush Vibrating Mini Prostate. Oh, that come hither shape is ideal for the everyday man who may be new to prostate stimulation. Slim silicone shaft is firm yet soft as silk. Wrapped in liquid, smooth velvet plush. Oh my lord, vibrations carry to the very peace spot you aim to please. <laughs> now far be it from me to recommend an incredible product like this to you without being able to offer you some amazing savings, my friends. A velvet plush vibrating mini prostate usually comes in at a retail price of $65. But for $47.04, you can go to Dr. Loves and save yourselves a whopping $18 on this velvet plush vibrating beauty. Keep in mind the recommended Astrogride Lubricant and Universal Toy Cleaner are extra, but they are available for low prices also at Dr. Loves. 
Now, if you don't want to take my word for it, this baby rates four out of five stars from the customers who've bought this before. One customer said, this is the perfect size for someone who's new to prostate stimulation. Once inserted, it gives the right amount of vibration to the prostate area and balls. Perfect when used, combining a good stoker. Don't forget the lube. Oh God, it's stuck. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this item, along with thousands of others, is currently in stock. Get it out. DrLoves.com, D-R-L-O-V-E-S.com, or D-O-C-T-O-R-L-O-V-E-S.com. And they are the Amazon.com of erotic superstores. Oh, help me, you son of a bitch. DrLoves.com. And we're back doing what we do every week of the goddamn year. Jesus, when is this going to be over? Coming at you with Jared Formby, trademark geek cred. <laughs> going right to you, Jared. Uh, you made up geek cred like 10, 15 episodes in. What is your geek cred, sir? Uh, well, I, uh, I make the intros for the show. Um, I, I screwed up the intro for best Seinfeld. I completely forgot there was a best Seinfeld thing happening. I completely spaced that that episode was going to happen. So I thought it was going to be best of Britain. So I just resubmitted best of Britain because it's my favorite intro they ever did. And I was like, ah, it's closing anyway. I'll just reshow this, this, this favorite of mine. And, uh, then it was on Seinfeld. So I'm sorry about that. I thought that was kind of awesome. Oh, okay. Well, then we repeated it. Um, I tried to cover my ass. I like recorded a hasty Seinfeld intro and sent it off to uh, be at the front of the show, but it was nixed in favor of a, the actual Best of Britain intro. So that's the intro no one will ever hear. Oh, fucking Alan. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We're kicking him out of the goddamn mailroom. Uh, Mr. Jan James, this, ep- uh, uh, James, this episode goes up on Tuesday. Uh, not tomorrow Tuesday or today Tuesday, but next Tuesday. What is your geek cred? My geek cred is I do other podcasts besides this one. Um, the most recent one is the Colson Lives and Agents of Shield podcast, which will be starting up real soon. We actually have an episode up, uh, but the Agents of Shield starts on the twenty fourth, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, I also have the Cinemasters podcast and the Mainframe Chronicle podcast and the Rogue Arrow podcast. Uh, Cinemasters is about movies, all sorts of movies. Uh, Mainframe Chronicle is about Reboot, a TV show that might have made it on this list if it was about TV shows instead of movies. And the Rogue Arrow podcast is about the TV show Arrow. So if you. Yeah, those and I also have a running list of the movies, the DVDs and Blu-rays I own with my girlfriend, and there it's it's at four oh three, which is ridiculous. I sold that many in the war. God damn it! In the war, <laughs> I bet you did. Turkey, what is your geek cred? 
Have I ever? Um, oh, dude, I have to tell you. So, Star Wars: The Old Republic uh, just put a moat and a moat in the game, where if you're a male character, you chicken dance like Job. If you're female, you chicken dance like Lindsay. I'm not kidding. I love the hell out of it. But go ahead. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Um, geek cred. Uh, I'm spending two and a half months working at a Renaissance festival, so I don't know what else you need for geek shit. Um, I wish I could call myself a film geek, but unfortunately, I just fall in love with a lot of movies that I stumble upon, you know, like in podcasts like this, hearing about stuff and falling in love. I uh, make movies, make a lot of really stupid short films. I've won a film festival or two. Um, just tried and failed kickstarting a film company, which was very, very sad. So, I don't know, super geeky, I guess, in other ways, but I don't know how it's, uh, it's relevant. Now you just made me sad. Had had we known that you had a Kickstarter, we would have blasted it on our, our Facebook and Twitter. You have to uh, the last things. podcast, The last podcast I was on with you guys, I advertised for it. And then so, we forgot because we're losers. Yeah, but you yeah. should have sent me a message later. Damn it! I did. I did. I sent you a link so you could put it on the show notes. Or <laughs> no, not that later. I meant like when it happened, like on. No, Facebook. I I did. Not on I Facebook. I put it up on Facebook yeah, once a week. No, God damn it! You fucked up. <laughs> Trust me, I covered my bases, dude. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. But anyway, well, I take full responsibility. Okay, if, it, if it's all Mike's fault. I sleep during the day. Uh, yeah, she's hot. Uh, Mike, this next fight is yours. Jumping back in. It is Tu Wong Fu. Uh, thanks for the memories, Julie Newmar versus Chaos Theory. Hmm, now this is uh, one I have seen against one I haven't. Um, I really liked what I heard about Chaos Theory. The premise sounded uh, quite good. Um, but I, I think I'm going to stick with Tu Wong Fu. Uh, because I do think uh, it is a movie that that's audience would be stronger now than when it came out. So I think it's one of those movies that that uh, definitely deserves a, a second look by people or a first look by people who weren't familiar with it. My armpit tastes funny, Dan. Uh, I'm gonna go with Chaos Theory. I still want to watch Tu Wong Fu. Uh, I do like Julie Newmar, but. But I really just really want to rewatch Chaos Theory. Kirky. Oh, Tu Wong Fu and John Leguizamo in a baby doll dress that barely brushes the top of his thighs. He was hot in that movie. Oh my god, he was hot. It was really just disturbing. Voting for Chaos Theory, it is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Formby. Which one is moving on through? I am really interested in um, chaos theory. I, I had no idea what it could be. Uh, I heard all kinds of uh, things in my own mind when I saw the two words next to each other and was like, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, or no, it probably just sucks. But I really do like that premise. And uh, Wong Fu, I, I couldn't get people to sit me down and recommend it when, when it was out. I just I didn't want to look at it. So I it hasn't changed, unfortunately. So, chaos theory. That's because you're a homophobe. That's what that means. 
it doesn't mean you're a homophobe. I'm only joking. Chaos Theory is moving on. Next fight is yours, Dan. It is Eyes Wide Shut versus In Time. Uh, both interesting movies. I uh, like In Time better, I think. It's been a while since I've seen either. And if I were to pick one of these to rewatch right now and have some friends sit down with me, I would say In Time. I'll vote for In Time. Kirky. Honestly, after getting the full um, description of what In Time is about, it sounds perfectly fascinating. So I would go for that. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here because it's not a very uh, flimsy limb at all. It's a very, very thick and strong limb. Uh, Justin Timberlake is a fabulous actor. Uh, Most of the Disney kids are. Uh, Go back and watch Alpha Dog. Seriously, Alpha Dog. Love the shit out of that movie. It's a great movie. He gives a great performance in it. He also gives a great performance here in In Time. So I'm going to go with In Time. Mr. Formby. Um, you, you guys can all go watch In Time. And you can uh, lovingly just let it go. Um, there was no... There's nothing about that movie that sticks, that goes forward, that you carry with you in any way. Um, they say that that film is an art form. And if there's any inkling or interest in anything about the exploration of, of humankind, and you're not going to recommend something by Stanley Kubrick, and this is his last work, um, I think it's his best work because it's the most complex work. Um, I don't know what to say because In Time's got some great puns. And I like Andrew Nicole. I mean, he wrote the uh, he wrote the Truman Show. He didn't direct the Truman Show. So I mean, how much can I really give this this cat? I it's obviously eyes wide shut. The final movie that Stanley Kubrick made. He died before he could even get a final cut of it together. Um, if you're running a cinema podcast and you can't pick a Stanley Kubrick movie. I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say to that. I just, the movie's brilliant. Um, the movie's got awesome color. It's got a uh, Loli Sabieski um, in it. Maybe you forgot. Um, the final words of the film. The final words that put on a film or let's fuck. Come on. Eyes wide shut. I was only joking. A vote for Eyes Wide Shut, Mr. Ortiz. This is kind of interesting because, you know, on, on one hand, you know, this is a question of what fulfills the the premise of of, of the show. Um, everyone has, has a reaction to Eyes Wide Shut. And in many ways, its position on here is not about, hey, you haven't seen this movie, but hey, you need to reexamine it. Uh, which is a very unique take on this kind of concept. Uh, whereas in time is, is, I think, a little bit more of a, hey, nobody watched this movie, um, but you should check it out. So what what is really kind of truer to the topic, a movie that people have seen and have judged and need to revisit as opposed to a movie that people never kind of visit in the first place. And, and even though Eyes Wide Shut is clearly infinitely the superior movie, is does it fulfill the premise as well? And I, I don't know that it does. I mean, I don't, 
I don't think there are people who a lot of people have seen it. It really found its audience. Uh, it just may not have clicked with that audience. And maybe it is something that, that you reexamine over time. Uh, but for me, that's almost a different topic. There's a lot of movies that I would have put on this list that I think uh, were were relatively successful movies and, and found kind of a financial audience, but but certainly did not get the the reaction and or, or some some of them even hated by by uh, the, the culture at large. That I think if you revisit, you you find something different. So I think that's a different topic for me. Uh, and uh, and what really fulfills this topic is in time, which is a movie that very few people saw, and I think more people would uh, enjoy it than than realize it. And I think that it's just a little bit, I don't know, truer to to what I thought we were kind of discussing here. So uh, I'll vote for in time. All good things sucks. <laughs> nice cut. Ah, bleeding in time into the next round. On to our next fight, Kirky. This one is yours. Lust caution versus old boy going Asian. Oh, damn it. I like both of those a lot. Shit. Okay. Um. Uh, gotta make a decision. I'm going to say Lust Caution partially because I don't think it's going to win and partially because I'm pretty sure when Spike Lee's Atrocity comes out, it's going to be too popular to really um, warrant a spot on this list. You already, you already said it. You said you've already made a decision about the movie before it came out. Why are you going to do that? Michael. It just, it's, it, you it can't be, it's such a weird. I know, I know. I'm just saying, yeah. Spike Lee is actually a good director. He might be able to do something with it. Mm. I vote is for old boy. And those of you that heard the way I said that will probably get the joke. Uh, uh, vote for old boy. Jared. I will vote for old boy. Monsignor Ortiz. Um, I have not seen either of these, uh, as of yet, I've been told the premise of old boy. Um, as of yet, I've still not been motivated to see it. So I will vote for all good things. Dan. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to take old boy as the remake that's coming out and say that that movie looks fantastic and technically none of us have ever seen it. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. A vote for the new old boy. Uh, an old boy is moving on. We're on to our next fight. It is LA story versus breathless. Uh, French cinema is fantastic. Uh, but I don't care. Because I'm a loser like that. I just like going to see movies that entertain me. And uh, L.A. Story entertains me greatly. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He's the weatherman. And he goes and he records the weekly weather. Or the, the weather for the week. And then he has the whole rest of the week off. Right, right. Mike? Yeah, because it's, it's always sunny in 72. Yeah. So he just pre-records the weather. and then Pre-records the weather. And just, it, it does whatever he wants. But uh, yeah, I love L.A. Story. I'm going to go with L.A. Story. Mr. Formby. Man, um, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and vote for L.A. Story in this uh, instance because uh, I really do want to take another look at that movie. Ortiz. Uh, I will also vote for L.A. Story. I mean, this is the point where I have to say, am I 
a a movie nerd who is genuinely interested in film as an art form or do I like movies where they make jokes about people's balls and I have to be honest I have no culture whatsoever and I like jokes about balls even though the ball joke in that movie was not particularly good uh, it was not one of Steve Martin's best ball jokes but uh, in terms of his body of work and ball jokes um, I would vote for Ellie's story uh, and that is cultured. It's just not the culture that cultured people like. Um, <laughs> Dan. Uh, breathless. I need to watch more older movies. Kirky. Breathless because French cinema is pretty awesome. But LA story is moving on through. We're on to our next fight. Jared, this one is yours. It is skin deep versus mirror mask. Oh man, I, I I I have to recommend Skin Deep over Mirror Mask um, for all the reasons stated before, and uh, for the new reason of watching John Ritter um, going through contortion motions as his muscles contract and uh, and release because of the latest folly a, a burned scorned woman has uh, put him through. And uh, he's trying to get through a parking lot and a blind man is walking toward him. And no matter how much he tries to avoid this blind man walking toward him, he can't get around him. And they end up collecting. It's hilarious. Just skin deep. Mr. Ortiz. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to second that. Uh, You know, like I had mentioned, I had forgotten it, but I it's certainly back up on my list of something I I want to see. Um, I, I, I do like mirror mask a great deal. Um, it's, it's visually beautiful, but, uh, you know, it's sitting on my shelf and I have not watched it since the first time I saw it and, uh, skin deep, even though I saw it ages ago, Jesus, when did that movie come out in the late seventies, early eighties? It's 1989. Wow. That late. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was just such a spectacular, uh, I mean, it, it sounds strange to say something like tour de force for, for John Ritter, but you know, he, he was an amazing amazingly talented physical comedian and uh and really like i said it's all of the great stuff from three's company without any of the stupid sitcom miscommunication bullshit dan i think i like the concept of mirror mask better while i do enjoy some good comedies once in a while i do enjoy neil gaiman almost always so Mirror mask. Kirky. Um, while you guys were talking, I was actually just watching the uh weird mechanical dolls singing close to you scene because it just it's so creepy and wonderful. So I'm gonna have to go with the one that I have seen and vote mirror mask. It is all tied up and it comes down to me. Uh Dan, how old are you? 23. See? See? It makes perfect sense. Uh, And I'm in between the other two. The other two are older than me. Ooh, Jared. Wow, I just realized how old you are. Stop it. It's scaring me because every year you get older, I get older. But I'm uh, I'm getting younger, though. I can tell you. Oh, that's good. That's good. But the the, the older folks are skewing towards certain things and the younger folks are skewing towards the other um. Yeah, 
even though he had a heart attack and died, and I made a horrible joke. I'm going to go with the John Ritter skin deep. I'm not a huge Neil Gaiman fan, even though I like Sandman. That's pretty much all I like. Uh, skin deep is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Mr. Ortiz, this one is yours. It is the specials versus following. Hmm. This is, uh, this is odd. Um, uh, early movie by James Gunn, who is doing guardians of the galaxy early movie by Chris Nolan, who, who uh, has done Batman movies and kind of Superman movies. Uh, I am going to go probably, I would still go with following. Um, uh, I'm not a big fan of the specials. Uh, I, I, I actually, even though I think Gunn overall is, is good. I, I, I'm not, not really sold on his take on, on superheroes comedically. He also did super, right? Um, yes, he did. Um, shut up. Prime. (laughs) I think both of them, uh, have a strange negative. Uh, it's, they're, they're kind of, both weird critiques of, of the superhero genre. And I don't think they do it uh, particularly well or particularly originally. Um, everything that, that that's in those movies was done, you know, a, a decade earlier in the comics themselves and, and much better. Uh, so even though I'm, I'm looking forward to guardians of the galaxy and I'm sure Marvel's not going to, to let him kind of take him in some of those directions. Um, I think as an example of someone's earlier work following is just a little bit more interesting. And yeah, if you're, if you're not a fan of Christopher Nolan, uh, you probably wouldn't like it. Um, I don't, I, I, I think actually it, it, it's not like inception. I think, I don't think it's overly dense. I think it's much smaller and tighter and much more like memento. So if you like memento, you're more likely to like it, but it's not nearly as good. I mean, it's, it's very clearly a first movie and, and, and has some of that, but that's that's almost part of the charm, part of the appeal, is to see something as small and simple from someone who's become actually kind of a, a, a rather big, bloated action director. Um, seeing something tight and small and intimate and personal that you made with your friends uh, has a very different vibe. Dan. I like going after Mike. He makes it easy, uh, what he said. Because he's a goddamn shark. Uh, Kirky? Um, following. It's just better, I think. (laughs) Don't even know. Uh, Voting for the specials uh, because it is extremely funny and Mike Ortiz has no soul. Fuck you, Mike Ortiz. Fuck you, Christopher Nolan. Dark Knight is like, Dark Knight Rises is like 25 minutes too goddamn long. Uh, Jared. Uh, I'm going to vote for, um, the James Gunn movie. The specials. But the follow, sorry, following. See, because the following is a TV show that's excellent. I really like it. Kevin Bacon, I don't know if it's coming back. Uh, the special, the, the following is that following is what's moving on. We're on to our next fight. Dan, this one is yours. It is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind versus Suicide Club. Both of these sound super cool. Uh, I think Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is a better title and, and probably a better movie. Um, so I'll go with that. Kirky? Definitely. I'm still standing behind Suicide Club. It is one of my favorite movies, and it's one of my favorite fucked up movies to show my fucked up friends. 
Uh, see, this is movies you haven't seen, and there are thousands of movies most people haven't seen. Now, I think the the key to this is would a why which one of these would more people like? Uh, and, and I mean, it just it just it is a general thing. Uh, Asian cinema is very very specific. I, I don't think this what the Suicide Club has a wide a reach as Confessions of a Dangerous Mind would have or does have. Uh, most people can watch. My dad has watched it and loved that movie. Like it, it has a, and then my little cousin likes it too. He's twenty, so it has a much broader uh, appeal than Suicide Club. It, but if you do like Asian cinema, Suicide Club is for you. Uh, if you are not a fan of Asian cinema, I would go with uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And because I love uh, Sam Rockwell, I'm going to go with Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Jared. I'm going to go with the with the movie that I was told last round was made for me, and that would be the Confessions movie. And Mr. Ortiz, you know, one of the the pieces we've we've kind of been leaving out of of the puzzle of uh, of Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is it was written by Charlie Kaufman, um, and it fits very much into the weird intersection of reality and unreality and fiction and storytelling that, that he, he plays in so well, but not, but in, in, in a very strangely much more mainstream way. And it's got, uh, it's got a, a big cast. Uh, again, th- this to me fits the movie that w- that really should have been a big movie and, and just never really clicked. Um, it's actually got interviews with Chuck Barris and interviews with people who were uh, on the gong show and, and, it, you know, knew him personally, uh, and it's all shot. And they, they they shot those sequences with a really strange kind of film that uh, that distorted all the color and, and made it again this kind of weird unreality. Uh, just uh, of all the movies that kind of play into that, you know, what is real and not real, what is true and not true. Um, I don't know that I believe that this is what happened, but I know I believe that I want this to be the truth, and that actually kind of makes it more powerful. So again, I love this movie, uh, and uh, I don't see myself not voting for it uh, anytime in this particular game or match or whatever. Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is moving on. On to our next fight. Kirky, this one is yours. It is Josie and the Pussycats versus Frequently Asked Questions about Time Travel. Back on uh, stop singing that. Good Lord, why? Um, Josie and the Pussycats. I like that uh, I've ruined your uh, uh, <laughs> your childhood by just posting the words, the lyrics to Backdoor Lover. Uh, makes me so happy. I also will be voting for Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, Jared? Uh, I'm Josie and the Pussycats, please. Monsignor Ortiz? Uh, I'm going to vote for Frequently Asked Questions About Time Travel. Um, I love Josie and the Pussycats, and we have introduced many people to it. Um, and, and everyone we have introduced to it has has liked it, and we've sung its praises on the show. But the uh, the purpose of this show is to bring uh, new things forward, even though we touched on uh, frequently asked questions about time travel in the time travel episode, um, because you know it's something that nobody had seen really, except no one but uh, but Dan. Uh, it it really didn't go that far except on just kind of, you know, somebody's word on it. But when I think about this, you know, Damon, you said you downloaded it and watched it. 
and there's already, oh, well, it's on HBO. And I was actually thinking during the break, um, hell, I should, I should put that on, maybe put it on in the background, but I don't want to watch it right now because I know, uh, Lucy will want to see it because she's a big fan of, uh, was it Chris O'Dowd? Is that his name? Uh, Uh, so now I'm going to have to be recommending this and I had recommended it to her before, not even knowing he was in it just on the premise. So Josie and the Pussycats is a movie that was a movie that we turned people on to. And this sounds like it could be a movie that we can turn people on to going forward. And that to me kind of fulfills this, this, uh, this premise a little bit more. So because I have not seen this movie and have not sung his praises, but look forward to, uh, I'm going to vote for it. Son of a bitch. Changing my vote. Fuck you, man. Still love I'll change my vote, too. Back to love yeah. But, uh, Dan. Uh, yeah. I, again, what he said. Nice nice shark there. Sharking son of a bitch. Oh, we're at a Dude, spot. I just shot down Josie and the Pussycats. How do you think I feel? Uh, you should feel fine because you're absolutely right. The only person that hasn't watched it on this panel is Dan, and I'm sure he's going to watch it after this, correct? Immediately. Well, well, you don't have to probably watch. when I wake up, actually. Not immediately, but you're going to watch it, and you're going to go, oh, this is a good movie. Uh, I love the subliminal messaging. Uh, that's my favorite part. Uh, but frequently asked questions. the Chevy to the levee. <laughs> uh, why are that you movie even... is completely jerking. Why are you even in this movie? Because I was in the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Still one of my all-time favorite moments. Uh, next fight is for a spot in the final four. It is Chaos Theory versus End Time. It comes down to me, and I substituted Rocky Horror Picture Show for End Time. I'm going to still ride. Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to ride JT all the way to the finals. Uh, I'm going to go with End Time. Mr. Formby. Uh, I'm going to vote for Chaos Theory in this particular thing. Um can't remember what it is about in time i don't like oh oh i remember now eyes wide shut should have beat <laughs> all right well that, that, that was easy enough <laughs> uh mr ortiz um i am going to vote for chaos theory because uh it i haven't seen it and I, I am intrigued by this. Um, I'm not completely sold. I'm, 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 I can waffle here a little bit, but based on just so far, uh, it sounds like an interesting premise. And uh, and and I, I like Ryan Reynolds. I know a lot of people give him shit, and I don't I don't blame him for Green Lantern or or, uh, or in many of the movies. He, he picks bad movies, but he sometimes picks good movies. Um, but he can be a lot of fun. But that really sounds like a great premise, and it's a great title, and it's a strange way to tie into the title. So because of these two, I would probably put that one on right now or be more likely to watch that, which, again, is kind of what I think we're talking about here. Um, I'll go with Chaos Theory. Uh, vote for Chaos Theory. Dan? Uh, I'm going for Chaos Theory because it's a movie that I think fewer people have seen, and I also think it's a better movie. So it fits pretty much this show to a T. Uh, vote for Curious Theory and Kirky. I'm going to go with In Time because I don't just to me that sounds more interesting. I guess um, I can't explain it more than just a personal what 
what I would like better. I'll vote for in time, but chaos theory is moving on. Uh, on to our next fight. Jared, this one is yours. It is old boy versus LA story. Oh man. I've been, I just muted. All right. Um, I'm going to have to go with, gosh, you know, between these two, I mean, I want to, I want to re- I want to recommend LA story because uh, I want to see that again for myself. Um, but I can't because uh, the rules are that, I mean, the new rules that Mike established with eyes wide shut. I mean, obviously I can't do that. I'm going to see old boy. I'm going to go with recommendation for old boy. So oh, that's what I'm recommending. A recommendation <laughs> for old boy, Mr. Ortiz. Um, hmm, I haven't seen old boy. Um, again, I have not. So far, you know, between here and what's been said so far, I've not really felt that compelled. Um, and, and I love LA Story, uh, but I again, I see that this is this is where it becomes kind of tough because I I don't feel like people are talking about it. But you know, once we've started talking about it, everybody seems to really like it. So maybe it is more popular, or well known than I thought. And I and I I know a lot of people who who do recommend Old Boy. And certainly, if if it wasn't for it being a movie that kind of got a lot of word of mouth, it wouldn't have gotten, wouldn't have gotten the remake status, because uh, that, that's why they're doing it. A lot of people um, haven't seen it, but a lot of people have talked about it, and the right people talk about it, and then they make an American remake. And more often than not, you know, to defend kind of some of some of Kirky's uh, issue with it, more often than not, when they do that, they they botch it. But uh, I agree, Spike Lee is talented. And he could probably pull it off, and he probably will bring a lot of eyes to the original. So uh, I'll vote for Old Boy. A vote for Old Boy, Dan. Uh, tough one. I think I'm gonna vote for LA Story because that sounds more intriguing, and I haven't seen that one. A vote for LA Story. Kirky. This time I'm voting for Old Boy because I just remembered that there was this um there's this fight scene in the movie. I think although I could be wrong, I think it's uh right when he is released from his imprisonment, uh he goes out and starts a fight with a bunch of kind of punk kids. The entire fight is done in one continuous shot. Um, and I mean, cinematography wise, that is pretty impressive. So for that tidbit, I will give it a vote. A vote for old boy. Uh, Mike. I, well, actually, I've seen both. Uh, and Mike is kind of right about old boy. Enough people have talked about it. People know the name old boy and they're making a remake of it because people have been talking about it. Uh, LA story, I think 1987. So I think the last time anybody really heard anything about it was maybe like 93, 94. And then it kind of just went away. It came out way later than 87, man. No, it's like yeah, it was, 90, oh, it's 91. 91. It's 91. You're right. It's 91. Yeah. But still, within five years of that movie, it, it went away. But mostly because that Steve Martin went away. Uh, he did a couple 
like kid films, kid friendly films, family films after that? Uh, what is any of the Baker's Dozen or whatever the the Dozen movie with like the thirteen kids? He did. I don't know which ones. He did like Parenthood and a lot of stuff like that. And yeah, and, eventually and, and, winds up when. Queen Latifah movies and the Pink Band. Parent, and Parenthood was before LA Story. Parenthood is before, and Parenthood is slightly different. I don't count that as a family. Was, no, the um, that was the one with the bride, Father, Father of the bride. bride. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, was he in the sequel, Father of the Bride Two? I think so. Uh, yeah, he was. And 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 that's the Steve Martin. A lot of people who are under the age of 25 have that's that's their Steve Martin. Whereas. For those of us that are older, Steve Martin is the guy in L.A. Story and in Three Amigos and in the things that he did before, the jerk. That stuff is, and it's always sad to see that go away. And I think L.A. Story is the last time you get that Steve Martin on film. Because even Bowfinger, is a, he's a little bit more family friendly than, than anything else. So I'm going to go with L.A. Story. Just just because the uh, Steve Martin that we know and love, younger people don't know this Steve Martin, and I think L.A. Story is a great place to learn about him. Because the jerk, the jerk is one of those movies where, unless you're of that time period, a lot of that stuff falls flat. It, it's really, it's really weird. The communication falls a little funny, even though it's still a funny movie. You just don't get all the jokes, all the cultural references. I think L.A. Story might be close enough to be able to get everybody. I don't know, but old boy, I'm, I'm changing my vote. Oh, you are. Well, yeah, that's a, that the I, that's a good point. Is that people? I think people don't don't take Steve Martin as seriously. Strangely, we're talking about taking a comedian seriously um, because of all that other stuff. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that uh, about that Steve Martin. And I do think you're right. I think that is like the last. That's the the end of that Steve Martin, and, and maybe that's why it's it's kind of being forgotten. So yeah, for this premise, as far as what people aren't familiar with, there's probably more. I mean, if if they're talking about maybe maybe people need to talk about LA Story a little bit more. I don't I don't want to see a remake or a reboot or anything like that. But you know, maybe maybe we'll get a special edition Blu-ray out of it. Ooh, that would be nice because that thing sucked on DVD. There were no bonus features. I want Steve Martin back. How about that? Yeah, maybe we can have Steve Martin. Oh, Steve Martin could do a follow-up twenty some years later and quit playing the banjo. God damn it. <laughs> L.A. Story is in the final four. It got it. it it's it's well, whatever. I can't talk right now. Mike, this next fight is yours. It is skin deep versus following. Uh, this one's pretty easy. Um, I mean, I've sung following's praises as as a if you like Christopher Nolan, you should check it out. Uh, you should check out skin deep just because uh, it's it's really funny and it's it's a, a better movie. And it's a I guess it's another kind of lost forgotten movie i mean i forgot that it was a blake edwards movie uh certainly when people talk about john ritter they talk about that dot you know eight or rules for marrying my daughter or, or three's company or other things like that so uh because it's kind of this unsung uh gem from two uh real comedic geniuses that nobody talks about i guess it, it sort of fits this bill perfectly uh vote for skin deep did 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 dan uh, skin deep sounds really, really good. Uh, like John Ritter, uh, at Blake Edwards definitely has comedy. Uh, he, he knows how comedy works. Um, 
So I'm going to vote for that. Uh, still think that, yeah, if you like Memento, definitely if you like Memento, check out Following. It's kind of a predecessor that's not quite as polished, but I'm going for Skin Deep. I'll vote for Skin Deep, Kirky. I'm still sticking with Following. I'll vote for Following, but fuck you, Chris Nolan. I love you. I, I love you, Joker. I think that's going to be my new thing. I love you, Joker. Instead of thank you, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with skin deep. Jared? Oh, it's skin deep. Easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. As the British people say, hello, governor. Chris Mitchell is going to hate me for this. Oi, oi, oi. Oh, wait, that's Australian. Whatever. Uh, skin deep is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Dan, this one is yours. This is a Duffy. It's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind versus Frequently Asked Questions about Time Travel. This is a very tough one because Frequently Asked Questions about Time Travel is my go-to movie for, oh, this person hasn't seen a lot of movies. Let's jump on Frequently Asked Questions about Time Travel. That being said, I haven't seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and am very intrigued by it and really want to see it. Ah, I'm going to go for confessions for right now. Kirky. Uh, Sam Rockwell, Chris O'Dowd. Um, I think I'm going to vote for confessions of a dangerous mind. I, I, I haven't seen either. Both sound interesting. I like Sam Rockwell a lot, and he's in that, so I guess that one. A vote for Conventions of a Dangerous Mind. Has Sam Rockwell been nominated for an Oscar yet? In my heart. So so I'm going to take that as a no. Jared, do you know? I don't know. I don't think he has. <laughs> Kirky's awesome. Because Sam Rockwell is probably one of the greatest actors of our generation, of this generation, and nobody ever talks about him. He's in, he, he does fabulous jobs. He's a very broad range of ability. You Iron got, Man 2, right? Iron, no, fuck Iron Man 2. I'm talking about, um, God damn it, Galaxy Quest, the first movie I ever saw him in. And he's a, a crazy, crazy guy, blah, blah, blah. He's funny. And then you've got this movie. Then you've got Moon, which is a very different mm-hmm. character. Uh, I love the hell out of Sam Rockwell. Uh, I, lo- I like frequently asked questions about time travel. It's on right now. I'm looking at them in their hoodies right now. And if you watch that movie, you know what I'm talking about. They're actually at the hoodie party, which is really weird. Uh, but uh, I-, I love the shit out of Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. So I'm going to go with Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Mr. Formby. This is this is hard and this is awesome and this is the premise. I've not seen either of these films. I've just been listening to them come back around and around and around again and now here they are. I'm completely um unfamiliar with with either one. Um I've got The Cloud of Charlie Kaufman on one hand and uh, I've also just got um just being a, a time travel nerd and uh, the added bonus that the film was discovered in Australia if I heard the argument correctly which sounds just infinitely more intriguing so uh, I'm going to have to go with the, the FAQ FAQ about time travel Mr. Ortiz 
Um, I'm I'm happy that it's been decided already, um, because uh, I, I I would not want to vote against Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Like I said, I love the movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a movie that I think genuinely think more people should see, which on one hand fulfills the premise of this. On the other hand, uh, frequently asked questions about time travel out of everything we've discussed is the thing that I kind of want to see the most next. So I can vote for that. And, and yeah, I mean, if it's this idea of what are we kind of trying to promote confessions of a dangerous month? Well, I guess I'm, I am surprised that more people haven't seen it. Um, so only, only you and I have seen it on this panel, Damon. Is that sounds right? like it? Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe it still does need a wider audience. So I'm glad it's going on, but in terms of what, what do I want to watch next and what has this, episode that we've recorded the the impact that it's had on me has been frequently asked questions about time travel although i'm very happy to see confessions moving on uh yeah jared there are several one shots where sam rockwell goes back and forth and changes costume like six or seven times walking through the lobby of nbc and going from his apartment into the lobby at nbc going and like spanning six years of doing different jobs there. It's there's a lot of weird in camera, strange tricks. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an out there movie. Is that, is that the movie where like, um, there's some clip on YouTube that I watched. It's like a, a five or 10 minute long video of him dancing and being like this weird sleazy character for a camera. Is that what that's from? Well, he was weird and sleazy in the movie. I don't know if that, Hmm. That yeah, but it's also weird and sleazy in a lot of movies. Yeah, he is. That could have been choke. Charlie's Angels. Could have been Choke. Could have been Choke. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Sam Rockwell. We're at our final four. We've got Chaos Theory versus LA Story and Skin Deep versus Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Kirky, the first one is yours. It is Chaos Theory versus LA Story. Ah, uh, God damn it. I don't know anything about these. Um, okay, so I'm just going to take it as Ryan Reynolds versus Steve Martin, and I guess I have to vote for the poor black boy, so. Uh, you went physical fight on that one. I see, I see. A Mm. vote for L.A. Story. I had to say the words physical fight. Chaos Theory is intriguing because I do like, oddly enough, the choices Ryan Reynolds makes. Even Green Lantern. It was a good choice for him to make. Uh, it failed, but it was a good choice. Uh, what's there's the movie Nine? Isn't that one of his movies? The try- Nines. The Nines. There, there's a lot of movies of Ryan Reynolds that I like. The the bigger Ryan Reynolds movies are the ones that I do not like. Uh, but that's besides the point. I, I really do like chaos, the idea of chaos theory. I do like the idea of. Steve Martin, I, t- I, I talk so much about Steve Martin, I got to do Steve Martin. I'm sorry. I got, I got to because, yeah, it's L.A. story. Mike? Oh, sorry. Jared? Um, so we got L.A. story. And what's the other one? Again? Chaos Theory. Yes. Yes. Okay, I know one. The other one I don't know at all. Um... That chaos theory premise is just solid, man. If I was sitting here in like an office and somebody brought me this story by somebody, they said it was this and it was that thing that got said in the first round by Dan so well, I'd be like, yes, fund that. 
Um, so, gosh, I want to see it. And I mean, I'm I'm sad too that you know Steve Martin's not Steve Martin of old, but you know, I think there's three Steve Martins. Like now, there's like the big writer Steve Martin, right? The shop girl Steve Martin. That's like a a third one, but we'll never get the first one back. Never. And some people don't know him at all. Uh, Mr. Ortiz. This is is really rough. Um, even though uh, frequently asked questions about time travel is is the one that I that kind of I definitely am, am down to see. Uh, this this sounded like a very intriguing premise, and again, that's the the stated purpose of this uh, episode. Um, has everybody seen LA Story on this panel? No, I have not. Okay, so three have, two have, and that's still. Several people that haven't, and yeah, it's the younger people who haven't. Uh, so yeah, maybe I will vote for Steve because it is this idea, not not just even for this movie, but like, you know, one of the reasons I put the front on the list and one of the reasons that I put, you know, that I thought about even kind of putting older movies on the list is uh, is the, the difficulty in in bringing older product, uh, I shouldn't use the word product, older, older material to, to a younger audience because there's just so much new material to compete with it. Uh, and, you know, I think this is a movie that, that people should continue to watch. It should be an evergreen. It shouldn't be something that just uh, popped up and it was a year and it's got a spot in, in Steve Martin's career. And then it just sort of vanishes with, with everything else. I think it really does deserve uh, to be watched time and time again uh, forever. Um, I think it is, I think it is one of strangely Steve Martin's most personal movies. I think his own, uh, love for Los Angeles comes through. Um, I lived in California for a brief time and I think uh, I lived there long enough for me to kind of see the, the reality and some of the absurdity. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll stick with LA story. I could be convinced otherwise possibly, but for now, LA story. It's all up to you, Dan. Can you convince people to move on to chaos theory, to give chaos theory the win? No, you only need to change one of our votes. Okay, let's see if I can. Um, let's see. Chaos Theory is about a guy whose life is driven by order. He, you know, he plans everything out to the minute almost. And, you know, when things, when things go wrong, the smallest little thing, the wife decides to mess with him a little bit and sets the clock back 10 minutes. It flips his entire world upside down. He he goes from making lists to making writing the each part of the list on a note card and choosing them at random to get the order that he's going to do them in. Uh, at one point, he has like buy shotgun, kill wife, kill self, and it it starts off in with buy shotgun, kill self, kill wife. Then he's like, no, that's not going to work. Buy shotgun, kill wife, kill self. Uh, it's it's humor like that that you don't really see in most Ryan Reynolds movies. It's it's a Ryan Reynolds movie where Ryan Reynolds doesn't play his normal ridiculous Ryan Reynolds self. He plays sort of a darker version where he's trying to keep a grasp on reality while it's not. It, it's just slipping through his fingers. 
I feel like um, from what I hear about LA's story, it's it's classic good old Steve Martin. But we have that. We have that in you know the the Three Stooges, which is a great movie. Planes, trains, and automobiles. We have places where we can see the classic Steve Martin. We don't really have anything with Ryan Reynolds that matches up to chaos theory. I'll vote for chaos theory. Mm. He makes a very good point. Does someone want to throw down for LA story? I'm not throwing down for LA story. If you want to change your vote, you change your vote. Uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll stick. Almost. You wavering son of a bitch. LA story is in the final. Uh, next fight is skin deep versus confessions of a dangerous mind. Hmm. Seen both of these movies. See, this is the problem. I've seen a lot of movies. I'm a sad, sad man. I sit around and watch movies all day long. Sometimes play star Wars, watch movies, watch a movie right now. But, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think the directorial debut of George Clooney, because he's he's been nominated for an Academy Award directing, correct? I don't remember yes. what. I don't remember which movie it was. Uh, but I, good night and good luck, I believe. Good night and good luck. That's right. Uh, he, he's a really good director. This is this is his debut. This is his first jump out of the gate, and. Unlike a lot of people with their their first directorial you know movie, you know you're like oh yeah I could see I could see their their growth from this point but th- th- it's okay it's an okay work uh, he got better I think he jumped right out of the gate and did an excellent job and I, you would never know that it was his first movie uh, I, you know when you go back and look maybe but it doesn't feel like a first time director it feels like somebody who's been doing this kind of stuff for a very long time. Uh, so I'm going to go with Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, a movie that you should all see, including you, Mr. Formby, which you would like very much. I, I agree with you. Um, I want to see that movie. Uh, I really do. Um, but but I I really want to see Skin Deep again. I mean, the more that I sit here and think about it, I mean, it, it's not even... It, it's It's dramatic as well as comedic. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's like Edward's most serious film. Um, but it's also got some of the biggest laugh out loud bullshit happening just out of nowhere. And maybe it's just my nostalgia, just looking back down there, um, through time. But I definitely, um, want to see skin deep again. And I'd like to recommend other people see it too. So I'm going to vote for skin deep. A uh, vote for Skin Deep, Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I I do love uh, Skin Deep a great deal. Um, at, at once I once I realized what movie it was, and and Jared, I don't I don't think it's just nostalgia. I recall very clearly uh, this being one of those movies where I saw it in, in the theater, uh, and and having one of the most intense in theater laughing experiences. Like I mean, while while I'm watching the movie, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I've not laughed this hard in a movie in a long time. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, and a lot of Blake Edwards stuff uh, dances with a, a serious tone, especially when he starts getting kind of vaguely autobiographical. Um, but there's something just so unique about 
Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And, and you're right, Damon. Uh, there's no way anybody, and I have revisited this several times, and there's no way anybody would would think that this was a, a first movie, especially on a technical level. Um, you can see that this man paid a lot of attention uh, to the the masterful directors that he's worked for and, and the shitty directors he's worked for. Um, and he was not intend, originally intended to be the, uh, the director, uh, there someone else was supposed to direct it. He was going to produce it. Uh, but then, and, and he has a minor role in it, but then that didn't work out. And, and he just had to sort of step up and do it himself, which was in itself kind of impressive. Um, and we've sung the praises of Sam Rockwell and it's just such a strange, unusual movie. And, and yeah, this is a, this is a movie that I think a lot of people should see. I mean, that's really the premise here. Um, a lot more people would enjoy it. Uh, it's a bizarre movie and, and you're right. Everything about Sam Rockwell, um, he, he the, this should have been a star maker performance and, uh, and nobody saw it. So, uh, I'm going to stick with confessions of a dangerous mind. A vote for confessions of a dangerous mind, Dan. Confessions of a dangerous mind stars Sam Rockwell, as we mentioned and skin deep stars, John Ritter, Sam Rockwell is a great actor. John Ritter is a great actor. John Ritter wasn't Buffy, and I do like Buffy, but Sam Rockwell was in the Ninja Turtles live-action movie in 1990, and that that wins it. So I'm going with Confessions. A vote for Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Uh, Kirky, yes, the video of Sam Rockwell dancing is from... uh, that uh, confessions of a dangerous mind. Uh, what is your vote, Kirky? Um, I'm going to go with confessions of a dangerous mind because I think Sam Rockwell is sort of he is an actor is sort of what this tonight's podcast is about because he he is so good and yet he's always that you know who's Sam Rockwell? Oh, he's the guy in Galaxy Quest. Who's Sam Rockwell? Oh, Moon. Okay, weird he's so strangely forgettable because he hasn't gotten the recognition he deserves. And so he is like Hollywood's hidden gem. Um, and so by extension, his movie is Hollywood's, I don't know, gem that everyone needs to watch. A vote for conventions of a dangerous mind. We've got our final. Once again, we're absolutely wrong. Wait, wait. What? Damon, you didn't vote. I didn't vote? Oh. Oh. I voted. Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Like, oh. <laughs> Wait. Mike Mike didn't vote. Mike voted. Yeah, I voted for Confessions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I voted first. I voted first. I wasn't voting for Skin Deep. Not against Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah. You, you, you're very clever, Mr. Mr. Formby. Mr. Jerry. last time. Mr. Potter. Um. Anyway, we're wrong. Par usual. Uh, we're at our final fight, Jared. This one is yours. It is L.A. Story versus Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Well, uh, this is really easy. Um, the, the title of the podcast is "Best Movie You've Never Seen," and that was directed at me. And it's got to be Confessions because I've seen L.A. Story. Well, that does make it easy for you, uh, Mr. Ortiz. Well, fuck, I've seen them both. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I've like I, I said uh, in round one, um, 
I can't see myself voting against Confessions of a Dangerous Mind uh, at all. And and I'm not going to, even though I love LA Story, um, like I said, for me, this is the movie that I recommend to people that, that people haven't seen. And it surprises me that a movie as good as this and with uh, as, as big a cast, I mean, Julia Roberts, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon uh, in small roles, um, you know, basically Clooney calling in favors from massive Hollywood friends. Uh, but there's great performances throughout, not just Rockwell, uh, although he's he's amazing and he actually somehow is is able to take Chuck Barris. And if you're not familiar with Chuck Barris, you know, just go watch the Gong Show and watch this weird, goofy, strange little man that uh, that Rockwell nails completely in his performance, and then somehow transforms him into a chilling, cold blooded killer and makes it all believable. And it's one of my favorite movies ever. And uh, I'm I'm glad to see it uh, it getting the attention from people who have not seen it. So you should go see it, Dan. I have not seen either of these, uh, so this works out well for me. Except that they're both very intriguing, so it's kind of a tough one. I I think one that. I actually voted out my favorite movie on this list for Confessions, so I'm going to have to go with that one. If it's good enough to take out frequent last questions about time travel, it's good enough to take out L.A. Story. Uh, vote for Confessions. Kirky? Um, so this is supposed to be the best movie you've never seen. And I think that you know, again, having seen neither, um, L.A. Story could be an incredibly hilarious Steve Martin movie, but there are a lot of incredibly hilarious Steve Martin movies, and I think I'm I, I'm I'm not saying that you've seen one, you've seen them all, but you know, if you're going to look for the best movie that you would recommend to somebody to show them all the hidden gems and things that they might be missing. I think something like confessions of a dangerous mind might be a little more outside of what people are used to outside of, I don't know. It just feels like maybe this is more hidden Jemmy than a comedy would be. Um, especially a comedy with as many famous people in it as L.A. Story seems to have. So I'm voting Confessions. So I haven't voted yet, and I could easily make it a clean sweep, or I could do something that has never, ever, ever happened in all of Geek Fights. And I'm, I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm going to vote for L.A. Story. Not because, because I've seen both movies. Not because I think one is better than the other, because they're both fabulous and you should see them both. But because this would be the first geek fight ever to not have a clean sweep. There isn't a single clean sweep on this at all. If I voted for Confessions, it, there would be a clean sweep. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to vote for LA Story just so there isn't a clean sweep. And as always, we're wrong. You should be watching the Showgirl Special Edition with the, uh, uh, the commentary by that one dude. I'm not joking. It's you should hilarious. watch Star Wars. Oh yeah, Star Wars. That's a, that's one of those movies. If you've never seen it, you should see it. I say that kind of crazily. Uh, thanks for listening. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind did win. 
Uh, does anybody have anything they'd like to plug? Kirky. Yeah, if you're hanging around the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, stop by Lady Artisan's shop and buy some shit from me. I don't know. <laughs> can I be? Can I like shout at you like, "Hey, wench, wench over here, wench"? Can I shout that? You can. Um, I'll probably stab you a little bit, so you know. But you can try. It might be funny. Well, I, I, I generally speaking don't go to uh, Renaissance festivals because I'm a black person, and uh, that time period was not very good for black people. Just saying. Um. Actually, our theme this weekend was the Silk Road, so we had all of the uh, African, Middle Eastern, and Asian Renaissance influences. I was, I was, I was wondering if she was going to hear our theme this week was slavery. So, <laughs> so come, come in chains. <laughs> I was waiting for to list all those cultures. I was like, and then we all threw rocks at them. <laughs> uh. Dan, I know you have a bunch of stuff. Uh, sure, why not? Um, Colson Lives Podcast. You can find that at colsonlivespodcast.blogspot.com. And from there, there are links to the Cinemasters podcast, the Mainframe Chronicle podcast, and the Rogue Arrow podcast. So go check those out. Dunkashin, my plenty kinder. Welcome. Uh, Mr. Jared Formby. Yeah, hi. Um, I am the proud owner of a new um website um address uh, that I just just invented tonight. Um, it is tinyearl.com slash warp belt, and that is the link to my celebrated and hated article on Star Trek in the Darkness, which is terrible. Go ahead and read it. Uh, yeah, it is terrible, and and we are not going to talk about it, ever. You and I never will talk about that. You didn't like. What was that movie? URL again? It's hung up on him. What was the URL again, Jared? Tiny URL slash backslash. Warp belt. Yes. All right. Send into Google. It keeps trying to dot com. But special thanks. It doesn't. Special thanks goes to Karen, Jared, Christy, Chris, Alan. For all the things they've done for us, this is our last episode. Thanks for listening. I'm joking. Uh, no, we got pl- five more. I know. Stuff to plug, Mike? Uh, yes. Um, you can find me every week on the Week in Geek video show on YouTube. Uh, in conjunction with Week in Geek, um, I will be doing a signing at uh, Comics and More uh, in Madison Heights, Michigan for the Week in Geek Comics and More variant cover for the comic book hoax hunters, which uh, I drew and uh, I'm on that cover. Uh, you can find us at geekfights.net. Um, lists of show ideas we will never use, but uh, at least there's links to our Facebook 
and our Tumblr, which we don't really use that anymore either. It's Facebook and Twitter, pretty much, uh, and the wiki. Um, but look for us on Facebook and Twitter. That's all it takes to. Uh, I like how the end of the show is always fizzle now. Yeah. Because we're like, fuck you, people. We know you don't listen. Well, yeah. It's like, at, all. at this point, they look for us. Hey, don't bother. We're show's ending. Our show's <laughs> ending. If you if if you just found us, man, that sucks. If, if you, you just like this, found you're us, not, you got old. We got old stuff. We got it's in iTunes. We're gonna leave it up there, even when the show's done, at least for a while. And 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 everybody who's ever been on the show or ever wanted to be on the show has the opportunity to be on. See, I'm gonna say this right now. All right. On. The episode that is going to be our longest episode ever, even though this is what it was a really long one. It's going to be our longest episode episode ever. The final Star Trek versus Star Wars. Uh, make up a list of just fights. It's just fights. Han Solo versus uh, what's his name? Uh, Admiral Ross. If that's the fight you want to do, fine. Put it on the list. We will keep going until the list is exhausted or I pass out. Mike is just going to keep recording. Yeah. We're probably going to do it on a Saturday. This is a last man standing episode. Last man standing. We're going to go as long as fucking possible. So if you can't make it at the beginning, no big deal. Show up in the middle. Do a couple. If you're like, I'm too tired of this. I've, I've got to go. It's fine. We are going to exhaust the fuck out of the topic. <laughs> Star Trek versus Star Wars and geek fights in general. We're going to go out with a fizzle and not a bang. <laughs> the biggest whimper what? ever. What the fuck? The biggest whimper ever. It's going to be six or seven hours of whimpering. It'll be great. And you will enjoy it. And you can be a part of it too. But only if you listen to the end of this episode, which you didn't. So fuck you. Actually, if you didn't, fuck you. If you did, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, if you would like to be uh, a part of this, uh, you can contact us us at geekfights.gmail.com or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, and uh, you, we will get the information uh, as to who you need to look for, or friend, or log in to uh, to be on that final episode. I think most of our other episodes are somewhat booked, but there's probably a few spaces left. Uh, there's plenty of space on Jump the Shark moment because I haven't planned in, uh, anybody, and nobody's been oh, like. I, I, I had an idea of somebody for that. Okay, but, but yeah, well, actually, Babylon Five. Babylon oh, Five, on. yes, because of, it's a, it's a month away. Got We've got room. It's just going to be me talking about Babylon Five. An entire an panel. Hour. I'm serious. If it's a two hour episode of Mike just talking about this was a great, I episode. can do it. I can I can just talk about thirty two things. That I will love be about it. Babylon Five. <laughs> if It'll you be like, like that, a pilot episode like for a Babylon Five podcast. Yep. Nope. That. Nope. Nope. That beats that, Mike. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I will do all five parts. I have serious. no idea. We we will do that. We don't care. Babylon 5, we are going out, like we said, with yeah. a whimper and not a bang, goddammit. It's it. Babylon 5, Jump the Shark, and we're out. <laughs> it's actually Jump the Shark than Babylon 5. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay, cool. Babylon 5 gets the, the penultimate. Wait, are we out? Hmm. No, no, there's still the secret episode oh. that, well, that's you right. know. We already, we already blew the secret. Oh, I, I, I say it every episode at the end itself. that nobody listens to, so they don't know that there's a secret episode that comes after episode 175, but whatever. It's going to be a completely different format, too. I haven't told you that yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, news to me. News to you. Is this is this a pilot for our next show? No. Is this our assignment, Earth? No. <laughs> it's just, I'm it's glad just, somebody got that. It's just a completely yeah. different pilot. 
uh, pilot. It's just a completely different format. A format that you, you've wanted to do, but we never did. All right. Because this is something that we could actually do that for. But it would involve work, and I have to do that at some point. Well, I can do some work, too. Until next time. Keep fighting the geek fight. Good night. I just put all the lyrics to Backdoor Lover into the chat for those of you that can actually see it. Let's see oh, here. I see it. This is the worst. I'm, this I'm, is just the worst. No, but it's 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 proof that nobody actually listens to words in songs. <laughs> I am I am so not okay with this. You're that, so smooth and white. Oh. Yeah. Lordy Jesus, this is terrible. Running my hands across your cheeks. Oh, they're smooth and white. So smooth. I'll be coming through that way tonight. <laughs> I, like, oh my God. I'm telling you, know you that I won't hurt you. So open up and let me in. Yeah. It always hurts. <laughs> He's lying. Who's singing this? Is the girl singing this? No, no. It's it's the boy band du jour. You can look up du jour. What? Singing Men this. Folk? sing this yes this is this is the boy band at the beginning of the movie this is men singing this song this is not josie and the pussycats this is four men which is uh donald Faison, seth green oh goddamn franklin from franklin and bash i can't remember his name right now and another guy that you won't know and they don't actually sing it you know somebody else sings the song but they're a boy they play a boy band and they are singing that these are the words and that's why I said that movie was not for kids. Yes, you would not get that joke, but God damn it, it had to have made your mother feel very uncomfortable while watching that movie. Because <laughs> if she was paying any attention, she quickly picked up that that's a movie about anal sex, a song about anal sex. We're still on this. Are you reading it? Are you reading it? Did you read it? <laughs> this is the movie opens with this. Anytime a movie opens with anal sex and you thought it was for little girls, like, oh, this is not for them. No, it is. It's a song men are singing to little girls. About anal sex. Yeah.
Like, is that it's okay, honey. I won't on hurt you. I'm back. You're so yeah. smooth and white. I like coming in from behind. I'm about to show you some love that's hot or whatever. I don't know what this says. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Just singing it make to me a little hate. girl. Yeah. You know what? What won't hurt? Open up. Let me in. We love it each. We love each other way too much for it to be a sin. Come on. <laughs> or against the law. Some people use the front door, but that's never been my way. Because <laughs> I slip in back doors. Well, that doesn't make me hey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's all I ever do. When people are like, I'm never going to watch that movie. I just send a YouTube clip of them singing Backdoor Lover and it's like, oh, okay. Uh, The best part is actually really believable music. Yeah. It it sounds like one of those songs. Excuse me, meeting, but all of the music sounds like you would really buy it coming from that band. Yeah, it's very very poppy. Late 90s pop is what what that is. Yeah, they're they're a boy band. They're boy, and then du jour. I love the song du jour, where they talk about what du jour means, mm-hmm. and 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 what du jour means. Which, if you don't know French, it just means the day. And they they constantly just make up things for what it means. Du jour means friendship. Du jour means love. <laughs> oh. Y'all motherfuckers need Jesus. 